Eleven O'Clock Comics, episode one hundred and fifty-nine. Did you say Doctor Who? No, that's awesome. Please don't. Tell me you've seen the second episode. I did not yet, so don't say anything. Thank you. Fucking cut that. I'm sorry. I I had a busy weekend. You guys just don't want me to be on the fucking show. Hey, I did my homework. I read Bulletproof Coffin. I'm ready to talk about Taskmaster. I did my homework. I could talk about a lot of shit. It's just that... Oh, no, it's good, Jason. You know, my Taskmaster. Christian talking about that sleep. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good presentation. Word up. Bulletproof Coffin is is very deep, and I don't think we could do it justice in like a 10-minute segment. We've got to devote like a half hour more to that. Pardon me? I think we could take two or three minutes and be done with it. Bulletproof Coffin? Oh, oh, okay, then. No, I'm saying I'm fucking I read a lot of stuff from this week. I am... I loaded for bear. Yeah, it was it wasn't perfect, but uh, um, I I thought it was I thought it was better than better than a lot of stuff out there. It was it was it was inventive, and I like that. It was creative. It wasn't exactly that. I, yeah. and, and it was, I'll, my, I'll save my 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 pros and cons for next week. Dude, it was shaky goddamn cane. It, it was. It, it doesn't get any. No, no, oh, is that what is yours says on the spine? Shaky no, goddamn cane. Yeah. Oh, mine just a shaky cane. Dude, hi. Okay. Ooh. You must have the. Uh, the uh, low the, end. the censored version, yeah. <laughs> I have I have the personalized edition. Vince Goddamn B from Shaky Goddamn Cane. <laughs> Motherfucker. Motherfucker. Yes. Yay, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, look at this. Look around. It's eleven o'clock comics, one fifty nine. I'm Vince B and I'm relieved. I'm excited to be here. Bad week. Fun times just, to come. You just relieved yourself? I did. Oh, so. yep. <sighs> Well, I'm Christopher Neesman, and I am also relieved. <laughs> now, did did we cross the streams? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm David Price. Oh, nice. And, of course, I am Wiley Coyote, super genius. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought for sure you'd be fake dead Obama this week. Oh, oh no. <laughs> what? Bullshit. No, you're not. You're not Wiley Coyote. You're Jason Wood back again. Thank the I gods mean, Jason's back. No in offense, guys. Incredible. <laughs> in a fortnight, bitches. I know. And um, this journey it has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Write that down. DCBService.com. Yeah, do that too. Were you pointing at you, Mr. Comic Book and uh, Miss Comic Book Aficionado can get your favorite books and collectibles at huge discounts, anywhere from 35 to 75% off their spotlight specials. They are awesome. DCBService.com. And don't forget about that Summit City Comic Con coming up in June 18th in uh, downtown Fort Wayne at the Grand Wayne Center. 10 bucks gets you in. Kids 12 or under are free. Tom Scioli, Sean McKeever, Mike Norton, Jason Howard, Katie Cook, Gary, not Star Reach, Friedrich. <laughs> Gary, Gary, Gary Ghost go. Rider, Friedrich. I'm sorry, I'm old. Gary, Mike, same thing. Just like them. And, and many more. So check it out. SummitCityComicCon.com. Two C's towards the end. SummitCityComicCon.com. Do it. And DCBService.com. There you go. 
Use uh, EOC8 if it's your first order. Oh, yes. If you don't know what Chris is talking about, if you're one of the first-time listener-type people, uh, you can get an extra 8% off your order at Discount Comic Book Service by entering EOC8 in the lovely, well-manicured pre-moistened slot, and you'll get you know an extra 8% on top of your already huge discount. So there you go. And, and, if you, and if you if you see Gary Friedrich walking down the street, don't have him uh, autograph issues of Star Reach. Star Reach. He would probably do it at, at, at this point, but but he did not write that. Thank you, uh, Steve, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Michael Friedrich, right? We know him as Mike, yeah. Okay, Mike, Mike Friedrich. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, and you mentioned um, uh, Tom Schioli. Uh, nice uh, interview on Comic Book Resources this uh, this week, uh, talking about uh, American Barbarian. Oh, that I, you sent me that. I sent you the really super rare, yes, limited edition uh, ash can of of American Barbarian. Yes, put a lot of thought and love into that. It's That's, beautiful. The American Barbarian is America's cultural curator. He's a hoarder. It's awesome. You got to see it. But anyway, it's not. It's not the only thing I have signed by Tom Scioli. No. You know that uh, "Violence is the New Black" T-shirt that, uh, you, yes. that you have, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my buddy. Wearing that shirt. My buddy yes. Peter Rios. I guess he felt bad for me because I didn't make it to Super Show. And uh, I, I got uh, <laughs> a nice autographed Tom Scioli Violence is the New Black uh, t-shirt. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I love, right. that I love that it shirt. It is. It's nice and red. I love red and orange. I love to wear red and orange. That's my colors. I've, I've, I'm totally... Uh, my, my Avengers um, page that I'm getting put together, I've, I've, I want... I think I want Tom to do the, the Captain America. And nice. I think he would... He would be the, the 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 right person to do that. I think so too, as Hail yeah. Hydra would attest. It's awesome. There's that word again. Can't say it anymore. This episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been drinking all day because I went to a baseball game, um, but I am very interested in what you guys are drinking. Very nice segue. Who should go first? <laughs> why don't Why don't you, uh, purveyor of all? Fine, Pennsylvania. I am a connoisseur of the uh, of the libations, aren't I? Um, I? I'm drinking black and tan again. Jesus. All right. You know, it's it's getting a little late in spring to be drinking the black and tans. It's, oh my that's, god. It's, just, you know, just you stop. need to start. You need to start <laughs> moving into the into the spring beers. I want to see the pinky out, dude. Yeah. Doink. Yeah. Doink, doink, yeah. Doink. It's you know, it's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of a fall. Drink there. Um, Drink your beer like Don Martin with the pinky out. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, Wood, how about you? Well, Chris, I am drinking the liquid song of summer, my friend. Crisp <laughs> like the morning, cool like the evening, and quenching all day long. I'm going <laughs> to pop the top and set my summer loose. This is and awesome. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Wacko, which is what? the summer brew from Magic Hat. Really? Oh, that's awesome. It's uh, called yes. Wacko? Yes, it does. I like that. W-A-C-K-O. Uh, it is, uh, Magic Hat seems to be blowing up quite a bit. Um, yeah. I was, uh, actually had, uh, this weekend I was, uh, we had dinner of our neighbors and, uh, he had Magic Hat on tap, which I thought was pretty awesome. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and it was so tasty, I, uh, I decided to, uh, take a trip to the, 
liquor store in honor of of our anticipated recording and uh came home with this uh with the twelve pack of this wacko stuff and it's uh it's awesome it's great it's just nice. totally up my totally up my alley and like uh, Chris alluded it's um sort of the antithesis of a black and tan it's very light very very light it's uh, oh. Oh, wow. Well, I, I, I will switch up the order and let uh, let David be the caboose this week because I'm drinking yeah. Magic Hat Number Nine. Damn! Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah nice. which is which is that and uh, Bell's Oberon are probably my my two favorite uh, summer beers. It's just really light and crisp and refreshing, but there's a lot of fruit to it, um, a lot of a lot of honey notes, and uh, yeah, it is. Their their Number Nine is is pretty pretty phenomenal so um yeah magic hat good good beer good beer there absolutely so, i i agree uh so david why don't you you finish it up finish those off what are you drinking? i am uh i'm drinking malbec from uh malbec from uh trapiche in argentina all right that that's like a month of malbec for you uh, okay two three weeks maybe I had the uh the Jim Beam and Ginger earlier. Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Next week will be right. it, though. I'll, I'll I'll keep it going. Chris. All right. I think it's yes. a I think it's a miracle, comma, mister, that you're drinking a Bell's uh, Oberon. Did you get it? Oh. <laughs> oh uh, uh, I know. Uh, Flat. Flat. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the comic discussion because I got lots of stuff and you guys got lots of stuff. I can't. Talk oh yeah, so you did your homework then? Yes, I have a theme this week. I want to break it up into three uh, parts because it'll take me too long to do it at once, and I don't want to lose anybody. We don't want any wrists slit out there. You want any mean blog posts? I noticed something. The first three books that I pulled off the stack after I debagged my discount comic book store order. First three books that I picked up all had racial overtones in them. Hmm. A lot of racism in these three books. Sounds like a barrel of laughs. No, well, yeah, not, no, not really. It, it, not really. It was, it was, they, were, they, were they racist or was no, there racism? There, 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 are, there are themes of racism <laughs> in all of them. Difference. <laughs> there is, there is. Obviously, yeah. I'll, I'll let the cat out of the back. One of them is Planet of the Apes. Racism is a oh, huge sure. theme okay. of Planet of the yeah. Apes. But the first one, I think racism is the new zombies. And oddly enough, two out of the three books <laughs> have, deal yeah, with zombies. zombies. Yeah. The, the first... Are you going to come back? Oh. The, <laughs> the, the first one is from Avatar. And, uh, you know, cross family values. No, at this point, I'm pretty convinced that Avatar is making a play to corner the market on bad taste in comics. And, now and you're convinced? I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. I needed a, a few more examples of, of bad taste. And you know what? I love them even more for their efforts because you know me. I love the transgressive stuff. I love to push buttons. Every Avatar book I've ever read i think has something in there that would flip somebody's switch mm -hmm. just an, enough to piss somebody off and and this book is no different it's night of the living dead 2011 annual it's a done in one which is kind of cool i like that uh written by mr mike wolfer who has is um no stranger to avatars living dead books He's writing the currently in progress Night of the Living Dead Death Valley mini that I talked about maybe three weeks ago, I think. Um, of the many cover flavors, I opted for the uh, gore version, 
I usually go with the wraparound, but this time I went with the gore version because it was drawn by Rollo Caceres. I love this guy's stuff. I, I, I really do. He's, he did, um, Captain Swing and he did covers for, uh, Dr. Sleepless. Get this. This is covers really foul. Uh, brief, briefly, I gotta describe it to you because if you've never seen it, chances are, I don't think you, if you're squeamish, you won't rush out and, and, and take a peek at it. It's an unfortunate victim of the zombies. And, uh, there's a, it's a tight shot and there's a, uh, the victim is screaming bloody murder because the zombies are forcibly extracting everything from this person's face. There's a zombie biting off the top of his head and, and ripping his brain out. There's another zombie biting his ear off. One zombie's got his tongue in, in his mouth and he's, he's tear, shredding the tongue. Another zombie is forcibly extracting the guy's eyeball and there's blood and guts everywhere it's really foul but it's beautiful it's it's like this caceres guy is like the um uh successor to the john totalbin style of drawing everything is beautifully rendered and the shadowing is is that that finely tuned linear type of shading that you know you've seen john totalbin's work on swamp thing he he his shading is very linear and he thickens the line in the shadowy parts and he pulls back in the lighter parts that's how caceres draws it's foul but it's beautiful it's simultaneously beautiful and disgusting like me <laughs> isn't that awesome um this, so you got to be prepared for this issue because it's it's nasty i mean uh like romero's zombie stuff the uh the gut munching and the bloodletting is balanced by undercurrents of social commentary always got to have that social commentary otherwise it's just a bunch of zombies running around and that gets boring after a while so this takes place in april 1969 if you know your uh romero uh history that's a year give or take after the events of the first movie the original night of the living dead so the zombie apocalypse is new they're still struggling to find out what the frig is going on here and um these two uh, Yankees named uh, Jess and Ricky, a man and a woman, uh, their car ran out of gas 30 miles outside Louisiana, or Louisiana, and uh, they eventually find asylum in an old plantation, plantation house on the bayou, which is lorded over by a pack of good old boys led That's by... Boys. You're right. Led by Never this, this uh, scumbag named Vern and his backwards buddies. Oh, they might as well be, yeah. By the Bo and Luke were were good at heart. These guys are nothing like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, crux of the biscuit: a black woman comes to the door carrying an infant, and the she's crux of the biscuit. Crux of the biscuit. That would, like the, that would be the middle of the biscuit. She's followed by two children, maybe around ten years old and seven years old, and they are being pursued by zombies. And Vern ain't having it. He does not want the dark-skinned woman on his doorstep. And I could read you what he says, but I think it would incite some people to be really pissed off, and we need him for the rest of the show. Mm. But it's foul, and they use the N-word, and it, it, it just illustrates that this, this uh, Vern character is very dangerous and very um, much old world, uh, but that's the way business was in the South. And uh, old habits die hard, but uh, in very typical Avatar graphic detail, the woman is eviscerated, pulled in half by, by the zombies. They eat the baby. 
I mean, eat the baby. They right? eat the baby, and that's not the first. That's not the first time. The other other white meat. <laughs> no, in this case, it's the dark meat. But in in it's not the first time a baby has been eaten in Night of the Living Dead. I mean, one issue, this guy goes through great pains to save a child from the zombies, and he's pushed into a situation where it's either his life or the baby's life. Like he's in a corner, and the zombies have him sur surrounded, so he drops the baby and he he beats feet out of there so to save his life but anyway back to this annual thing um now Vern, uh, he also demands sexual favors from this uh tarnished southern bell named bobby joe uh in exchange for his protection there's a, a very uh not so graphic but it's a pretty demeaning scene where he forces the woman to in in his own words suck me off i protect your ass pretty good deal huh you do right by me, I'll do do you right. And while the woman is servicing him, he's looking out the window at the corpse of the black woman, and he's getting excited. Hmm. That That's nasty shit. <laughs> I mean, that is really foul when you think about it. Uh, so much so that the Bobby Joe character almost commits suicide. She she just she plans to jump out the window and end her her torment, but that the Jess character, the Yankee, saves her, and she's like, I, "I promise, I'll get you out of this. Just trust me." Unfortunately, she doesn't, and uh, you know, in in true Romero fashion, the aberrant actions of the misanthropes inside the mansion become the catalyst for some zombie carnage. Their their bad deeds come back to haunt them, and it ends well for. Um, not a whole lot of, of people in this. Uh, Ricky and Jess get smack dab in the center of a, a zombie chow down. But um, there's an O. Henry type ending. And, and just in case you want to read this, I mean, if you're interested, <laughs> I don't know why, why you. I loved it, but I'm a huge fan of Night of the Living Dead and Mike Wolfer and Avatar. This Vern does get his comeuppance. So it's not just, it's exploitation, but it's not soulless exploitation. There is a message here. Uh, you know, let's treat people like people instead of animals, and you won't get um, eaten by a zombie. <laughs> the yeah. end. The end. And next to it, no, it's, it's like a Disney it, story. I know. Well, seriously, it 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 was really well done. Um, take my word for it. The the uh, you could very easily just throw any old zombie shit together but this is in the spirit of the master there there's a there's a message here and there's bloodshed obviously i mean you you expect the the carnage and the bloodshed with the zombie stuff it's very graphic but it's not without heart so it's not bad uh, i've i so it's it's unlocked the ving rams mckay pfeiffer movie was that the one which was that dawn what, what remake was that when they were in a mall oh yeah that was dawn of the dead yeah okay yeah, that was uh, nice try, but you know, nah. This is pretty cool, and the characters, the the likable characters, you actually give a shit about them because they're they're fairly innocent. They just want to survive, and the uh, the southern dudes ain't having anything like that. They just want to try and exploit this situation and spread their hate as much as they can. So it's cool. It's a good it's a good issue. Mm -hmm. Three ninety nine from Avatar. Yeah. So that's my first one. Keep going. I'll come back with more racism in comics in a little while. All Yay. right. <laughs> with the golden age. Hey. <laughs> Special episode. <laughs> so I, I've read a fucking lot of stuff in the last two weeks. Well, you didn't say much last week, so we're hoping you... Yeah, yeah you're kind of quiet. I was, I was a little quiet last week. Um, 
so I don't quite know where to begin, but um, let's uh, let's start with with two anthologies. Mm. That um, one of which came out some time ago, but I finally dusted it off uh, as a palliative to the other one that I read, um, and and that is uh, Strange Tales Two. Ooh, yay! Well, yep. Uh, you know, we were big fans of the first Strange Tales. Um, this is a follow up. It's uh, it's actually pretty different in form. Um, I have the hardcover. It's much smaller um, than the first, uh, but it feels like the there are parts of the first one that kind of felt like, and in fact, I think uh, were inventory stuff that had been done some time ago, and they decided to put it all together into a anthology. Whereas I think this was largely commissioned uh, for most of the stuff was commissioned for, in fact, this anthology. So it felt a little. A little yeah. more cohesive, a little fresher. In the wake of the success of the first one, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, too, I think this one was a little more, although I really love the first one, I think this one was a little more um, titillating because of the some of the contributors are near and dear to our hearts. Uh, Jeff Lemire does a story. Matt Kent does a story. Um, for my money, the star of the show, though, um, I don't know where this is going. Was uh, Raphael Graham? Oh, uh, you're right, but there yeah, you are completely God. right. It's so good, dude. It's, it really is. Oh, it's uh, it's for for those that don't remember the name, um, uh, he did a, a little OGN called Mesmero Del- Delivery Service, which we all gushed about when it came out. Um, it's his in that book. He was it was ultra ultra violent, um, and uh, and this is no no different uh, in this. Uh, Wolverine is part of a fight club for uh, people, mutants with healing factors. Sabretooth is in it. Uh, Wild Child's in it. Uh, and he show- Wolverine's showing up to fight uh, his opponent for the day, this tall, um, shaved head guy. And uh, it, you come to find out it's, um, it's my boy Deadpool's son. It's Wade Wilson's son. Yeah. And he, too, has a healing factor. Well, he's bigger and stronger than his dad. Uh, and they just go at it. And... Uh, as is always the case with Wolverine, uh, you know he is the best at what he does, and so he uh, he uh, he gets pretty fucked up. It's very graphic, uh, but but at the end of the day, he you know he he prevails. Um, but the the underlying component of that is there's this very pretty girl uh, in the audience watching him um, with tears in her eyes, and she's uh, reminiscing, and it's clear that that they've had uh, it alludes to the fact that they've had a relationship in the past, and then you get to the scenes where. Um, they actually are uh, in bed together, and uh, it just goes off the rails. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's, it's gory, <laughs> uh, and uh, let me put it this way: it would it would be right at home in an Avatar book, right, Vince? You betcha. And uh, so, so in a really sick way, it's it's almost like a, a love story of of lost love, um, but but in the most graphically violent, uh, over the top way you could imagine uh, in a Marvel book. Um, and it's just the the subject matter is what it is, but but Krampa's style is just so uh, stunning. I mean, it's 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 like if Paul Pope decided to make a horror movie. Uh, and that's the best way I can describe it. Um, it's just yeah. it's so uh, visceral, uh, and I just loved it. And it was one of the first stories, if not the first story in the book. So um, while I enjoyed it, I, I I almost wish it had been tucked away toward the back because. Right. Um, reading that set the bar high, <laughs> yeah. and well, again, I there were stories I enjoyed very much. Um, that was far and away my favorite of the bunch. So um, I kind of feel like they they led with their A game. Maybe they should have kind of warmed us up first. But overall, I thought it was quite good. Um, 
again, Lemire and Kent were terrific. Um, Stoko has a story in here, which I thought was great, uh, involving the Silver Surfer. Uh, sick. It's sick. Yeah. The, de- the amount of detail on that story is just incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Vince's buddy, Benjamin Mara. That's here. right. Yay. U.S. Um, agent, baby. That's right. U.S. agent. Some sex, Some sexy time. Uh, <laughs> Terry Moore is in here, and it's interesting because it looks like nothing I've ever seen of Terry Moore's. Um, the the art style is very different from anything that you'd be familiar with other otherwise about Thor. It's a story of uh, Thor, and uh, it was actually kind of strange to see him do a story where the where the the visuals were so different than than what I'm used to. Um, uh, it was fine, but it, it just wasn't what what I have come to expect of his. Um, there was a, a story by John Vermilia. I, I don't yep. know if I'm saying his name right, about MODOK. And, you know, you never really could go wrong with MODOK. And a bunch of others. I won't go through them all. But uh, but but overall, I liked it quite a bit. Um, as I said, it's it's pretty much it was a palliative for um, the other anthology that I read that, frankly, I was pretty disappointed in. And uh, that's one I think you guys also read. <laughs> Can uh, I guess? Go ahead. <laughs> Dark Horse Presents number one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I, I, yeah, I gotta agree with you. You know, I, I mean I, I again it was clearly burdened by very lofty expectations. We all are fans of the anthology. We're also fans of, of the old DHP and, and I, I know I'm not alone in being really excited that they're bringing it back. Um so you know, maybe I put un, un undue expectations on it, but all in all I you know, I got through it and I was I was pretty underwhelmed at most of it. Um so much so that I'm I'm giving a lot of thought to whether I'm going to bother ordering the next issue. Um, it's odd that you would you would mention that because yeah. while I'm I go like three deep on it, mm-hmm. I'm still going to get Dark Horse Presents. But this issue did convince me to stay very far away from Frank Miller's upcoming Xerxes. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think similar too with DHP, uh, they they kind of did the same thing in that they led, I think, with one of the best, which was Concrete. Now that was terrific. I re- seeing Concrete again and and getting, I would think it's an eight page story. So those first eight pages had me thinking this was going to be everything and then some. I was like, oh, yeah. it's on. You got eight pages of Concrete. It was, you know, I I don't think Chadwick lost any bit of his his mat his his skill. Um, so I thought the art was a bit shaky in some spots, but other than that, you're right. Yeah, really? yeah. The woman on the last in the last panel is a little shaky, but oh yeah, I guess so. I hadn't really noticed until then. But there's uh, yeah. there a lot of detail work in like that same. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. You're right. Yeah, but that's because we're used to uh, flawlessness with uh, Chadwick. Yeah, so when yep. when you uh, get a panel like that last one, it kind of sticks out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, I know. Chris and I had a little, <laughs> little discussion on Twitter like we could go joking about shaking and. The overuse of the oh. shaking, good shaking. Um, he does a story in here, uh, Mark. The the, the the pro the problem with that, which I don't know if we want to get into, is that ninety percent of the people that say this is good shaking or bad shaking have no idea what either is. Yeah, and, and it's just it's really it's good. just it's just become a term that that I think that we started using in podcast. And and there are a lot of people out there that don't know the difference between his work, and so they'll just they look at it and if they don't like 
if they don't like any of his art to begin with, they'll just say it's bad shaken, and they don't know what the fuck they're yeah, talking about. Right. So, yeah. um, I know he's never, met a, he's never met a fabric pattern he doesn't like. <laughs> zip it. Yeah, he has a truckload of Zipatone in the back of his, in right. his studio. Just no, but yeah, l- let's bad, let's bad, be honest. Bad, cha- bad shaken is better than most of the stuff that's out there. I'll just say that. I, I'm all for artistic evolution and, sure. and or stylistic evolution. But mm-hmm. the the con- contribution of, of Ken Brusenak aside, you put the American flag stuff next to this Marked Man story, and I there is a thing, a, such a thing as good shaken and bad shaken. I mean, sure. yeah. you, you put, put Blackhawk, the, the prestige Blackhawk, next to this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, anything he's done before... You know, a certain period of time. This, this is good. I mean, he makes the the young guns look like crap still, but I, he. I just think he's overdoing it with the the uh, computer assisted uh, design stuff. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. It yeah, it's, it, it, it hurts my eyes. Yeah, I'm with you. He exactly. can still draw a nice ass to to better than than most. Like that's that uh, page with the chicken, the green on yeah. the on. The, yeah, that's oh, a yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful Delicious. stuff. Yeah. And he can still draw like a son of a Butter bitch. Face, but, but yeah, we don't <laughs> need to see the the pattern on the floor in the grocery store. Yeah, that's exactly. just right. yeah. yow. Less is more. Less is more. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Just and, but and you know, with you, Jason, to. that I, I I thought that his blade series was awesome. Yeah, and I mean that's yeah. I mean I I yeah. And that's just a personal taste sure, thing. Sure. I, I I loved it, and I know that you weren't a big fan. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then I guess uh, in keeping with with seemingly a trend, uh, <laughs> Adams does a series, a little piece in here called Blood. Uh, and I would say, in, in keeping with what else I've, I haven't read, but what I've heard of his of his work recently, um, can still draw like a motherfucker. But homeboy needs to stay away from the typewriter. No, I thought it was good. I loved it. <laughs> I thought it it's was... it's crazy. It was yeah, crazy. But you you love overwritten Bronze Age stories. Yeah, I, I do. Capital this C, poor... <laughs> not in a good way. I, I, this poor it's... bastard in the chair would not shut up, and he kept yeah. saying the same <laughs> shit over and over and over. I know, I know. But it looked beautiful. I mean, yeah. uh, he could still draw. I got to say. Yeah. But, oh my goodness. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one, which is interesting, because I know you two, David and Vince, are in the middle of reading a big collection, yeah. which is uh, yeah. a Finder story. Yeah. Now, I have precious little experience with Finder, so uh, this was another story where I was just like, what is going on? I had right. no idea what was going on. This is kind of a spoiler for uh, David and I'm I. I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. Through it now. I haven't read the book yet. I'm, I, I've been flipping through it since, since it arrived yesterday. Because when we, we're making our way through the Finder Library Volume 1, and in that, Jaeger, I mean, this guy, who the Jaeger in this story is much older much. Than than the Jaeger, and he seems to have a lot of wear, a lot of miles on on him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, still cool. It it um, it's nowhere near as detailed as the the Finder stuff in the in the library volume one. Okay, right. that that is very dense storytelling. This seemed like a a temporary. Uh, you know, here's where we are now in Finder until the new stuff kicks in. So I, I don't know. I, I, I would not uh, dissuade you from reading the Finder library. It's it's awesome. No, it's fantastic. In that story, the the woman who I guess she's the job placement person that he's speaking mm-hmm. to. 
is she supposed to have that skin disease where uh, the, uh, I think the, she has uh, Villago. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. You lose pigmentation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. There's a lot of stuff like that in Finder. There, there's a, uh, you know, the, there's hybrid human animals in it and stuff. So that's kind of uh, okay. unorthodox. But there's this really odd sexuality in the book like when you're reading it yeah, i said to david did i just see what i saw yeah. um jaeger uh he sucks face with this old woman like he, he just comes back from his little scouting mission which entailed years of him being away from the city and he meets this older woman and he just starts sucking face with her and like then he meets he, he comes into contact with another woman and it seems like close intimate contact is not it's it's almost the equivalent of a handshake in this in this uh finder universe it's really it's it's odd but i mean you have to yeah. read it it almost seems normal after a certain point he's yeah he's, yeah nothing is it, it, nothing's taboo but it's just i mean hey oh look there, there, there's a big old penis just you know slipping out yeah. of underwear it's just but it's it's nothing a <laughs> uh, big old penis it doesn't, it doesn't uh <laughs> Well, you know, I, I I put the book down and compared it, but it, it was it was just uh, there. It, nothing is really kind of off limits, and it's just it's. I'll I'll read the. I'm not reading the footnotes as I read it the first time. I'll, They're uh, very helpful. Yeah, I I know, but I kind of just I I want to when it comes to things like this, things that I've either slept on or just not. I wasn't there from the ground floor. I don't want. Uh, I want to experience it as if it was when it was coming out. So I'll mm -hmm. right, and, and right. maybe there were some some annotations at, at when the issues came out initially. But I'll uh, I'll read it and and it, maybe after a few chapters I'll go and I'll, I'll I'll read some of the footnotes as as I've gone on. But I, I want to read as much as I can without any any helpful guidance. Yeah, I will say one thing before we move on to the other um, segments of this anthology. My appreciation for Carla Speed McNeil's talents increases with every um issue in that Finder library. She's yeah. really she's really good. And and not only uh visually, I mean the, the writing is very tight. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh next is uh one of David's favorites, uh Mr. Monster. Yay. Uh, so David, what did you what did you think of it? I, mean, you I, I did. I have, I flipped through. I haven't. I, I have not oh, okay. read the uh, the anthology, so I've just been kind of. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. No, I know. But it's it. It's Michael T. Gilbert. I mean, I saw Mister Mustard, and I almost I almost wanted to read the story first before, but I I, I like to read these things cover to cover. But yeah. this was it, it starts off like a typical Mister Monster story. I like the little. Uh, You'll love it. Nod to, to Kirby and Lee, and then and then there's mm -hmm. wood signature pointing to the to, to, to the log. To the wood, yeah, <laughs> to the wood. That's right, baby. But um, yeah. you know, it's I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I thought that was uh, another one of the the few uh, purely positive moments of the book. Actually, um, I enjoyed one of my one of my top two of this yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, then we get to an interview, a text interview with Frank Miller, which just uh. baffles me. Uh, <laughs> I don't stop talking. Just stop, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially in today's day and age, where you know you have the internet and the, and just the, the it just seems so absurd because it, it's one thing if you're positing this to be like a zine, but this wasn't a zine. It's it's no. an anthology comic book. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. um, the the, and, and, the and, one thing I got from the interview was yeah, I did a lot of research for this Xerxes stuff, but you know what? I threw it all out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so and, and why then, tell course, us? Vince alludes, there's pages uh, of Xerxes, the upcoming <laughs> graphic novel, and um, I'm not as hard as as Vince is on on Frank Miller, like in general, I think. But 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 this was certainly not a selling point for me to no, f- feel no. the need to revisit that that world. Um, and then we we have a Harlan Ellison uh, prose piece, which actually is a reprint from a place it it was elsewhere, and and, and that baffles me equally not only is it prose but it's a reprint so i I really lost me there Uh, and then i'm guessing this is vince's other story that that he he said he had two favorite i'm guessing the the other favorite you had was the richard corbin story hell yeah Mm -hmm. show him how to do it mr corbin yeah didn't work for me but again i'm not as big a corbin fan as you are um stunning didn't care for it didn't care for the giant floppy boobies and the the deadling thing I didn't really it just felt very unoriginal to me but um, but it looked good I guess it looked good enough yeah. this, this, is, Corbin, but. this is Corbin's mil, uh, in French million is that how you say it this really? this is this is milieu this is his universe this is the way he's been working with characters like this for decades yeah yeah, yeah I know that's why I'm not as big a Corbin fan as you are but but uh, but yeah I, I guess if you're a Corbin fan it's probably vintage um, oh it's the shit then oddly I guess again it's Dark Horse they get it but there's a Star Wars story um, mm-hmm. which uh, I guess is okay I don't know I mean, oh. I, uh, I, I'm going to stay away from commenting on this one there you go okay. yeah. All right. I've, I've offended people in the past yeah. yeah apparently it's the first few pages of a new um, Crimson Empire 3 series which is coming in a couple months and uh I just uh, I'm I'm hoping it, if for those that are going to be buying the series I'm I'm hoping they they switch up artists uh quickly into the series but uh, uh and then there's a sort of a baffling little piece called Snow Angel which uh This is cute and I I almost thought it was um it, it kind of looked a little bit like Rick Geary to me at first I had to go back to the credits yeah. and, and realize yep. who the artist was You're right that was bit, nice a little bit But the thing that got me it's continued where yeah. can this story possibly go? I know, I know. <laughs> it's, yeah. It was cool, and you know, there's a couple of flashes of uh, Cal Baker in this this story too. the The last page with the woman with yeah. her mouth open. That I, yeah. I was like, wow, yeah. Cal Baker must be ghosting some stuff. And it's good, but it's it's ba- You're right, it's baffling. I I I couldn't make heads or tails out of it. And then there's two little one pagers that are very simplistic. Um, Love the one with the with the guy getting stabbed in the head. I, I love yeah. who did the, yeah who did that um uh that is uh, uh Patrick, Patrick Alexander yes yeah. I like that a lot it's just because it's funny I mean this thing is just screaming and the, the it's so animated the the expressions on its face are really funny and it, it it's simple it is it's very simple but it's funny it look at the the, the and the dude doing the stabbing has such large soulful eyes and he just <laughs> he's like he's trying to comfort him like shush and he stabs him in the head but not, <laughs> the even, guy's, not even like not even violently it's just like no <laughs> stab matter of factly just stab and look at he's looking up at the knife like what it's cute. It's one page. It's 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 innocuous. I liked it a lot. I mean, it. I tell you, I liked it a lot more than the larger stories that preceded it. But what are you gonna do? Yeah. All in all, I don't know. A decent Jeff start. On the on the back cover. Yeah, that Jeff Darrell piece is unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, it was disappointing a bit, but uh, a bit, yeah. You know, I, I hope I hope for 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 the sake of the of the history of it, I hope it it, it succeeds and they they, yeah. they evolve from here. But 
Um, I, I the skeptic in me thinks seven ninety nine price point and what we got in the first issue is going to make it very hard to sustain. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one yeah, of the reasons I'll, why I'll, it, I'll go buy three deep on it and mm-hmm. and yeah. hope that hope that it if it, it finds its feet because it's it's got a lot of promise. I mean, it's, sure, it's, but uh, but yeah, I agree. And we, I, we I think they should. Name, sorry, it was it was it was David Chelsea who drew who, who wrote and drew Snow Angel. Oh, and I okay. know we, we referred to him, but we didn't say his name. I think they should have stuck more with tradition and maybe um, stayed with the black and white and and made it maybe four ninety nine. Uh, a lot of these things, especially the the shaken, do not are not benefited by the color from the color. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, I, but like I said, it, it's I'm reluctant to. Books. I'm I'm reluctant to admit I didn't like it because of what it is. It's Dark Horse Presents. It, mm-hmm. It's it's one of the all-time greatest anthologies in the history yeah. of comics. It's been a staple of my comic buying for as long as the original series lasted, and I want to be able to go, you know, to the top of the mountain and scream, "Oh my God, they did it! Yeah. They did it!" But they 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 didn't. They they haven't. And it's going to take a little bit of convincing to to continue make me continue to buy this. Some Vincent convincing. Yes, right. There yes. you go, Chris. You're very quiet. Well, yes. Are you are you trying to pull away from the negativity or or what's the deal? No, I no I see negative. <laughs> Screw you. Um, no. Um, well, we we're gonna we're gonna talk about bolt boltproof coffin, but I think we're gonna push that off to next week. Um, and and a couple of the other books that I that I read this week are, are stuff that we usually don't uh, don't talk about on the podcast. Um, for, for spoiler reasons, uh, but I was kind of waiting. I think that you were going to talk about the other two books that um, uh, that I read, and so I was okay. going to I was going to I was going to join in with you. And uh, and Jason, um, Jason, let it be known that we can't talk about Doctor Who anymore. Yes, he so put the foot down. That's not true. I so, said, could, could we limit it to this month? No, you said if the Doctor Who talk continues, it's going to be a very short ride to the. No, what did you say to, no, to the fourth? Right. I, said, I, said, I said if we want to have a fourth anniversary, <laughs> we have to if, keep the Doctor Who talk to less than weekly. Okay. So, All so, right. So, so, so you heard it. You heard it, folks. He threatened to break up the band if we keep talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It's like withholding sex. But it works, doesn't it? It works very well. <laughs> All right. The the uh, comic that Chris was alluding to, and I mentioned it before, was Planet of the Apes number one, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, just for you guys, actually. I would have not bought this had it not been for the fact that I knew you guys were Jones for it. Well, good. I hope I was, you enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised by this. Not that, you know, not that I shouldn't have expected Planet of the Apes to be you know, a, a fun or possibly really, really good comic, but uh, uh, I was I was really impressed with the art and the story. I really, uh, I really liked that they that they realized that you have a huge amount of of future history to deal with, and so they are able to to keep it in continuity. But just kind of pick out a time in, in you know in the in the future of of Planet of the Apes that they can tell an interesting story in yeah, and yeah. But and not the, and not have it affect 
you know, everything else, which I think was really, really smart on their part. But the cool thing about this issue, and let me mm-hmm. let me preface any kind of comment I make on this Planet of the Apes issue number one from Boom, uh, written by Daryl Gregory, illustrated by Carlos Magno. I'm going to assume the G is silent, Carlos Magno, and uh, color by Juan Manuel Tumburus. That's that's a healthy name. Uh, I got to preface it with the fact that I'm both a real soft sell when it comes to Planet of the Apes and a hard sell at the same time. Uh, I'm soft because I love the concept. I love the movies. One of my all-time favorite uh, comic book, I'm going to call it a masterpiece, is the terror on the Planet of the Apes that, that appeared in the Marvel black and white Planet of the Apes magazine. I love anything ape. Ape not kill ape. I love Planet of the Apes, but... To get me to appreciate it for what it is based on the high watermarks that the um, franchise has established in the past, that's not easy to do. It, it's you can put a, I mean, you can put a Planet of the Ape comic out. It doesn't mean it's good, but I, I'll buy it. But this this issue with the really cool thing about it is, if you know your Planet of the Apes film history, that framing sequence that's in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Um, took place 600 years after the death of Caesar, which is the son of Cornelius and Zira. Mm. And, and the, the last scene of Battle of, uh, of the Planet of the Apes with John Huston schooling the, the, the kids on the wisdom of great Caesar, that could very well be the first scene in this comic book. Okay. I, I mean, th- obviously, it's not drawn in traditional ape fashion, and it doesn't look exactly like, you know, Houston's portrayal of the lawgiver, but we can allow for artistic interpretation. There were children and there were apes um, coexisting in that last scene of battle, and that's what we get here. This could very well be seconds after the uh, the end of, of the last movie. I don't consider Tim Burton's thing to be anywhere near yeah. The, in the canon, yeah, so because battle, battle takes place way before Planet of the Apes. Yeah, well, if you go, like, if you take into consideration all the whole time travel shit, then no, chronologically, yeah, because Cor- this, yeah, because this, Cornelius this, and Zero went back and yeah, yeah, they went back in time. You're right. Yeah, because because this takes place like. T- Twelve hundred years before, before uh, um, Charlton Heston. All right, I have no. no I had no. I, I had no idea of that. No, this I took it. This is the logical. No, six- where where they say they they actually they they put a um they they put a, a point of reference in there. Twenty six eighty A.D. Yeah, and and they and they say it's like you know X number of years before. You know, oh yeah, twelve hundred years before a man yeah. named Taylor fell from the stars. Holy shit! Go. I didn't even see that. So then, my assumption that this could be oh, it's on the frontest page. I don't look at that. I'm gonna look at the art. So you're right. So my my whole battle for the Planet of the Apes theory is shot to shit. But anyway, I was, I was battle did battle happened after Planet, right? Did it happen far in the future of that? The, the whole time, the whole time travel deal. It, it hurts really, your head. Yeah. It, it's, oh, you're getting all exterminate-y. Fuck. <laughs> did you read yeah. this, David? No, I did not. Are you a Battle of the Era Planet of the Apes fan at all? I, I, oh, I thought the Mark and Mark movie was great. No, I, I, I do enjoy the. Uh, I'm not. 
avid if it's on i'll I'll usually keep it on but i'm not uh I'm not as engrossed into it as 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 others are but I don't scoff at it you know i mean i don't I don't think it's like Doctor Who or anything yeah I'm kind of the same way i've I've definitely seen the Charlton Heston movie a few times uh I did see the Tim Burton movie in theater actually. Um, I'm sorry. I've seen bits and pieces of some of the other stuff over the years, but a long time ago, like when I was a kid. So I don't really, I I have very little understanding of the broader mythos beyond that right. movie. So, like I did, like what these guys are talking about. I have no, I I one of my questions in reading this issue was clearly the status quo in this comic is not the status quo I was most familiar with from like, the original movie, but I had no idea whether it was before. After, you know, I, I didn't have any concept of that. So, the, the, yeah, this, the, it's like twelve hundred years before the first movie, and and what you the the setup for people that haven't that haven't read it is that uh, there's an assassination of one of the um, the apes that are that are kind of pretty high up in the Dude, the lawgiver. The lawgiver, very, yeah, yeah. very high up in the in the uh, political hierarchy, and the humans and apes ha- have uh, the apes are just becoming the dominant species in, in the planet. The, um, the the scales the scales are are tipping, and and the apes are becoming the the dominant species, and it's pretty pretty clear that that there are still humans that. Are um, in charge of certain parts of town, but it's the, they're they're definitely second class. And what we're seeing is that uh, humans that are being born are being born mute. So, which which kind of goes to the the planet of the apes, where people couldn't talk, and and now we're kind of seeing a. Uh, uh, a, a genetic reason why that people are actually being born mute, which uh, w- would play into the you know into the larger some mythos people, later. Yeah, some people. Some people. Right. Yeah, there are talking but, uh, humans in this. Mm-hmm. But see, oh, in this one, in, in this one. But yeah, but but we're starting. There's there, they show that that there are there are people that are that aren't don't have the ability. Right. To talk. Right. And, uh, which you know, you know leads to you know losing language later on in the in the larger story. See this whole time thing with the apes movies, it 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 boggles my mind because if Cornelius and Zira didn't go back to what was the present day, then it's no, then then they they wouldn't have Cornelius or or Caesar, and Caesar was the one who liberated the apes, not. Talking apes like himself, but apes that were used as slaves in in yeah. in the in the future of Charlton Heston's Therefore, world. So then terror. you would never have this ape society if if it wasn't for Caesar. So I guess Battle for the Planet of the Apes does take place before uh, Taylor's arrival. Yeah, that that that's crazy. But- the last movie takes sort of place thing. before the first one. Yeah, it's just nuts. Huh? It's almost Hoovian. <clears throat> <laughs> it's like the first two Indiana Jones movies. Right. But um and you get this this little um see the the deal with the lawgiver's death, yes, it's terrible. And it's like killing uh the president. 
in in terms of popularity. The Lawgiver is a very popular, very much revered uh, ape, and the assassin. He, he had adopted this human girl. Was from gathering. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. He was. He was kind of like her. Her <coughs> pseudo father. But but the thing about it is that the assassin. Uh, was described by witnesses as being human. Number one. Number two, the assassin carried an automatic weapon, uh, something that hadn't been seen for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And so that's the deal. The 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 uh, the grand the true ape granddaughter of the lawgiver, uh, Alia, Alia launches a manhunt. She wants to find out where this gun came from, who's manufacturing, because it was of recent vintage. It wasn't an an uh, an artifact from the past. This was a new gun. So she unleashes the hounds, and the gorillas go door to door looking for this uh, the manufacturer of this gun. And everyone, and she automatically assumes that it was made in a place called Southtown, which is derogatorily dubbed Skin Town. Because there's a huge human population there, so there's it, it where you has, get the, the racial. Yes, yes. It, it has a very, very heavy um, Pharaoh and the and the Jews feel to it. That I mean, she's it's that. Did did you see the the similarities in that? Um, I'm not too uh, up on all that. On your Old Testament, on your yeah, no. You did watch the Robinson. Ten Commandments growing up. Come on, did I watch what growing up? The Ten Commandments. Where, I've, I've see, never seen it. All about Charlton really? Heston. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen it. Huh. I'm, not, I'm not much for fantasy, you know. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. But so anyway, the, the comic book fan. The 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 lawgiver's murder has created this schism between the simians and the humans, and and this it's a, at first it's this little contained conflagration that that's will unless the assassin and the munitions factory are found. This is going to reignite this this old race war, uh, and I think it, it, whenever there's dastardly deeds taking place, who's at the at the root of it? it you know, it's not. A great cognitive leap to assume that this murder was orchestrated by the gorillas. They're always at the heart of the bullshit, you know, and they have the most to gain from this this resulting civil unrest and war and this power vacuum that that was created by the removal of the the, the lawgiver. And that's what's really neat. Um, Daryl Gregory introduces this particularly nasty uh, contender named Nix, a gorilla whom the humans have dubbed the Butcher of the East. He's really nasty. I mean, he's just, uh, I don't know, I don't, can't, let's see, in the text it says that he's responsible for, um, he burned Delphi to the ground, slaughtered hundreds of unarmed men and women. Not a nice dude, you know? And, and there's uh, another, there's a woman, a human woman, that's pregnant, that grew up with the lawgiver's granddaughter. Like Chris said, he was like her pseudo- uh, grandfather. So these these two women have grown up together, even though they're of different races. And then she just chucks it all aside and and consider her considers her the enemy. Because, Very much like Moses be and young Pharaoh. Okay. Be, be, because I'm, you sorry, know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're, they're, that that's the story that they're telling. I mean, it's mm. it's pretty. Let okay. my people go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bring you these fifteen. <laughs> Oh, sorry. 
10, Ten. command. <laughs> Dude, I just watched that, man. <laughs> I just watched that. Yeah. But I, I again, I got to stress, I was amazingly surprised by this issue. I think the, really the story was um, it was super tight, just thrilling. There's layers to it, as we said. It 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 simultaneously. It's a murder mystery. Yeah, it but it's in homage to the old stuff, and it's something new, which is cool. Yeah, I I gotta say that's I I I thought the art was good was really good. Um, and I I agree with Chris, even though there was a lot of stuff that I definitely felt since I wasn't so familiar with. Um, the Planet of the Apes lore that that had I been familiar, I wondered if it would have meant more to me. You know, like I didn't know if if a lot of the stuff was backstory that I should have already known in terms of like the Lawgiver and these two, you know, the 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 the, the, the human and obviously she's the leader of Skin Town, but I didn't, and pregnant, but I didn't know if maybe in one of the movies or other stories we knew who she was pregnant from or why she became the mayor or all that sort of thing. But but in spite of not knowing all that, I didn't feel like it came at at detriment to the story. Like I felt like they did a fine enough job establishing who these characters are relative to the story they're trying to tell. And yeah, it, it it's it's set up. I could see this being a really nice, concise, um, couple issue story that is satisfying on its own. But obviously, because it's part of a much broader universe, could could go on to tell other things. So, right, right. Yeah, I thought it was nicely done. And this. Uh embalmer slash doctor scientist character david you're gonna he's gonna remind you of the beast they even have him in like a blue light so his <laughs> his his fur looks kind of blue it's very cool very cool uh again just amazing stuff i don't think i've ever missed an issue of planet of the apes among the various um publishers that that took a stab at it and this is the, just this first issue it it eclipses a lot of stuff that has come before in terms of quality. Really good. And Manuel's art, yow. Do you get a Filipino vibe from it? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a that is a goddamn compliment. I I, I yep. love it. I'm thrilled that that there's a boom book that I not only like but that does justice to one of my favorite um, film series and comic boom. series. Yeah. Hey, you know, I and I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna talk about it. Um, Beyond this, but uh, you know, 28 Days Later continues to be a really good movie property that has, um, in my opinion, really, really been fleshed out as a comic, and that's from Boom. So I'm going to try uh, that. Like it, well, it's only it's only got two more issues left. They're going to wrap it up at 24, but I tell you, it's made for a really good 24 issue series, and uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be sad to see it go. But I, I think they've I think they've told a really good story with it. So. Now, do you do you, is Boom uh, in the habit of releasing omnibus stuff? Uh, I don't know if they do that. I know that uh, I know that 28 Days has come out in. Uh, uh, Hardback and uh, as trade. Oh, because so, I'd be I'd be interested in buying this all in one shot. That'd be cool. Oh, the the twenty eight days. Or yeah, the, or yeah, the, the twenty eight yeah. days later. Yeah, it's. I mean, it'll all be available. But yeah, it's been really good. So yeah, they're they're handling they're handling that stuff uh, really well. I dig you, it. You're sounding sleepy. <laughs> I'm well. You know, I I was at a baseball game today, so I've been. I started drinking. Hard white. work watching those guys play a game. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, I started drinking like nine hours ago. So, all right, you want me just to launch into the third one of my my trifecta, so you can comment on it because I know you read it. Yeah. All right. While do you're still while you're still awake. All right. And after do you it. do that, I got something that I want to. I have a I have a book that revolves around uh, racism too. Oh, nice! It's a yeah. theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris covered this book in one of his um, "Don't You Miss" things for uh, don't, no, miss, no, 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 don't miss don't miss for for his, the i fanboy uh this is uh actually no it was it was just a review at i fanboy oh it was just a review at i fanboy but chris did it so i know he read it because he Thank wouldn't want to write a review about something he didn't actually read uh it's from image comics and uh it's written by mark kidwell uh, there's two stories. The first is uh, Pen and Inks by Nat Jones. The second story features Pen and Inks by the amazing Tim Vigil. And all of it's colored by Jiggity J. Photos. It's um, 68. One of my favorite colorists in the biz. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he's, it, he's awesome. 68. Apostrophe 68. Another uh, period uh, zombie period piece. This time coming from Image. Um, like Avatar's Night of the Living Dead, you know, there, there's the, uh, substantial undertones uh, of, uh, social commentary. And again, it's, it's racism in this one. This time we focus on the Vietnam War, or, or conflict, sorry. Uh, got Firebase. No, it's a- war now. They, they oh, that's an, it's, war. Well, really? Well, I'm glad that they've retconned that. Uh, uh deep in the jungles of Nam, Firebase Ares. It's a simple premise. The platoon members are shocked to learn that Charlie's not staying dead. Uh, there, there's a really cool sequence involving the uh, the top and the doctor and the, and the 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 brasses drinking hooch out of a a coffee cup, and all of a sudden, from out of the brush, uh, a sniper plugs a hole in his in his cup, and the 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 stuff is leaking out of it. He's like, "What the hell? I thought you took care of that sniper." And the sharpshooter says, "Yeah, I did." So we see the jungle through the the uh, scope of the gun and and the uh, the snipers in the exact same spot he was in when when the guy plugged him and it turns out that it's a zombie sniper now that alone is really cool a zombie freaking yeah. sniper that that's creepy yeah, as hell that, well that that was one of my first problems with the book and I, and I and I I liked 68 I didn't love it but I did like it and so right there you're setting up the precedent that the zombies aren't mindless. They are, um, they have to be, they have to be pretty conscious of what's going on around them. They have to have a fair amount of motor skills left. Dexterity. And they're, and they're certainly not mindless because zombies as we know them are going to, basically just shamble mindlessly until they encounter sound or you know some <laughs> some food source right well yeah that's that's your interpretation of zombies this is yeah and i'm saying they they've set that up so there shouldn't there shouldn't be any any shambling mindless zombies right now. you said it great last week when you when I forget what we were talking about, you said as long as they establish the rules, yeah, er, then th- that's cool. That then they can follow their own rules. And remember, again, go back going back to the movies. Remember in uh, Day of the Dead, Bub, 
Bub was doing some pretty complex stuff from his old life. He was trying to shave. He was trying to answer the phone. But he still liked to chow down on the on the the living stuff. So yeah, they're zombies, but there is a part of them that I mean that old lifestyle that's still there. I don't think it's gone away because the well anyway. Uh, the, the, I, I, I tell you what, it did it did have one of the scariest scenes <laughs> that I can remember in 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 any recent comics. Yeah, and me... <laughs> it's if you if if you're claustrophobic at all <laughs> or man, it's it's they it's, took, they took, they took something that's already scary <laughs> and they made it fucking blood curdling blood curdlingly frightening. You're it's, right. Uh, you're right. Yeah. The 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 racial undertones uh, again, keeping with oh, the theme, yeah. uh, creep in due to the presence of an Asian American soldier named Yam, uh, whom Sweet his potato. whom his fellow enlisted men feel free to call Sweet Potato, Gook, Little Charlie, Zipperhead. I mean, they're not kind not to this guy. Problem calling him Sweet Potato. No, that's cool, but I mean, but Gook, Gook's not good. That's not no. no, you know, little Charlie. Since Yam is the smallest and most agile of the group, and this is what Chris was referring to. Um, he gets elected to explore this uh, seemingly deserted Kong tunnel system. He's a tunnel rat. And I didn't know this, but as stated in the text page following the two stories, the uh, the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong to um, avoid surface-based detection and I guess also to throw off the body count numbers for the Americans, they would bury their dead in the walls of the tunnels. Yeah. I did not know they, that. that they, they use that to pretty good effect. Yeah. This. So being a zombie comet, uh, 68 uses this to great effect uh, when Yam is, is crawling on his belly through this inky darkness of this tunnel. All of a sudden, you get scores of these clawing hands just popping out of the dirt around him. And he's, oh, they're, they're, it's nuts. It's crazy. And so when he went into the tunnel, he had to take his glasses off because one of his buddies said, you know, better take those off. The Kong is going to shoot at the reflection. And, you know, you're basically committing suicide. Take the glasses off. So he's he's at a loss visually going into the tunnel. It's dark. And all he has is a, is a pistol and a, and a knife. It's yep, nice it's a really a flashlight. it's really cool scene, very cool yeah. scene. And I guess they're the Kong built uh, hospitals and like uh, underground that these tunnels yeah, were connected I mean, it, to. It, it, if you um, uh, read my review of Red Eye Fanboy, and I actually linked to a Wikipedia page about tunnel rats and the 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 tunnel system that the that the Viet Cong would use and they they would basically attack from hide in and, and travel through these pretty complex tunnel systems um, they they would have um, tubes that would that would run up to uh, to pump air into them and there were fully operational um, uh, hospital rooms, uh, mm. uh, military planning rooms. They had um, uh, fully operating kitchens and food stores. So they would they would basically be underground, and American troops would be moving uh, across top of them. You know, and they would they would occasionally find the these air holes 
and American troops would, you know, drop grenades down through them and, and then try and find the entrances. And it was these tunnel rats who had the job of, of clearing these tunnels out. And so they'd have to climb in with a, a gun, a knife, and a flashlight into these tunnel systems that were booby-trapped yeah. and filled with God knows how many enemy soldiers that, if they saw you, would immediately try and kill you. I mean, yeah. it's... And and so you take that, which is just fucking bananas, and then you add zombies to it. Yeah, hey, you can throw a couple zombies in. No, it's yeah. nuts. It's crazy. And and uh, the uh, main story in the '68 also boasts one of the more unorthodox cliffhangers I've yet to experience in a zombie comic. It's pretty yeah. crazy. It's like Shades yeah. of uh, Bernie Wrightson, and that's definitely yeah, a, a that's compliment. True. Yeah, yeah. I, I I, I'm interested they, to see where it's going. Oh, I thought like they had um, uh, uh, a dog in there as well, because mm-hmm. um, the the troops did use did use dogs to uh, uh, to kind of uh, root stuff out in the in the jungle. I actually like the uh, the backup story a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's only the Tim Vigil story. It's four pages drawn by comics god Tim Vigil. Wow, uh, it, it's uh, in short because it is. It just uh, it features a brutal O. Henry type ending, showcasing um, uh, fervent nationalism, uh, cultural conditioning, whatever you want to call it, so strong that even the grave can't squelch it. It's it's pretty brutal. Well, yeah, and I pointed out in my in my review what else was important about that. But basically, the story is that there's a uh, um, a suicide bomber that uh, that is in in a a town and he's a zombie and um he ends up blowing up you have to read the story though um uh, but i thought what he's, was he's a child and, and it's a child yeah. yeah um what i thought was a pretty important uh message in that is that the zombies aren't just in the jungle they've spread to the villages and towns and so even if yam and any of his fellow uh, troops get out of the jungle and uh, escape the zombies that are there, th- there's nowhere to escape to. Yep. It's, it's out. And, pretty pretty and they say, Yeah, and, and they say that in, uh, uh, in the final notes of the book is that this is, you know, 68 is the beginning of the last 10 years of of society so yeah that's cool yeah they're they're telling the story of the beginnings of the zombie apocalypse that will eventually wipe out the human race you know it would be really neat if Mm -hmm. they change the title of the book with every year if like it goes 12 issues and the next year will be 69 and that'd be really cool even though I think I, I think that there there might be the idea to to build a universe around that, but sixty eight I think is definitely the core of the idea is, and I don't think they're going to stray away from it. It's zombies in Vietnam. That yeah. is that is your Hollywood pitch, and that's what they're going to keep it as. It's zombies in the in the Nam. That yeah. that's. I was kind of hoping for a 72 featuring uh, Aphrodisiac kicking zombie ass. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that, that'd be very yeah. cool. But same same universe, but uh, but different different book maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, but, it was re- yeah. really good. I liked it a lot. I, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I, I liked it. I think it's 
Um, it, it's definitely worth picking up and and, and checking out. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm getting close to my zombie saturation at this oh, point. I'm long way. I mean, zo- from that. you know, yeah. zombies always make things better, and you know, they're kind of like Johnny Depp in movies. You know, they're always <laughs> better. <laughs> nice. Wow. What, what are you laughing at? You don't like Johnny Depp? Me, Keith Richards. Ta- ta- no. Dude, t- take oh. take Johnny Depp out of any of the Pirates movies. Not good. Uh, I don't know. That, that implies that that him being in them makes them good. He makes them tolerable. You you sh- you're tolerable. shitting on the on the Pirates movies. Jeez, lowest I'm common st- denominator. Oh yep. my god, I I don't get it. They're fun. <laughs> oh god, they're they're. Mm, never mind. It, we'll for, say that for another time. <laughs> okay. Wow. It did, okay. All right. I put it. I put so, it just slightly above Paul Blart and Mall Cop. Oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The third. I, the third one's plot was a little convoluted. But anyway, yeah. um. Oh, uh, man. But yeah, my point is, you know, zombies make everything better. But I'm I'm getting getting <laughs> close to my saturation point with them. I don't even think uh, Johnny Depp could save uh, Tron Legacy. <laughs> oh. ooh, I'm sorry. That. I had to do that. I had to do that. Yeah, um, I mean, look, that was a... Uh, I think what was said on the forum today was right. It it, it was a very visually entertaining uh, movie, but there, you're certainly right. There wasn't really much of any story to it at all. Should we Should we talk about the book that you and I read now? Because I know you're probably going to approach it from that direction. Uh, I don't know what book. The uh, Hate Annual Number Nine. Oh, oh, <laughs> sure. That wasn't what I was going to bring up, but sure. Oh, if you want to, did anybody else read that, Chris? Did you read it, or David? No, not the Hate Annual. No. Okay. Um, let's just uh, frame this. Jason knows of my love of Pete Bag, and he tried the book, right? Solely based on on my love for the uh, the creator and his characters, and Jason, I don't I don't remember exactly what you said, but you you were just like, uh, I I wasn't invested in it, I, I didn't get too much out of it. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly right. It was it was uh, pretty much indifference. I I I didn't come away thinking, oh, that was terrible. Or I didn't. I just read it, finished it, thought, <laughs> okay, like I just I didn't really quite get it like i didn't even yeah i just i I just didn't i don't know it's hard to describe i i didn't really have any feeling about it one way or the other like i just Mm -hmm. felt like i got a little glimpse into baggy's little world of characters and they they did what they did and i found them neither annoying nor entertaining and 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 it was over i I don't Uh, well i don't know you know why i think that is here's the thing all right let me put it this way I definitely came away wanting to understand from people like you and Zach Cruzy and and who are huge Bag fans what specifically it is about Bag that you love because okay. I didn't quite get it. You know, I, I've been with Bag from the beginning, and I've always found uh, his work like uh, neat stuff and the Bradleys and Hate to be driven by the characters as opposed to the story like i've never approached an issue a new issue of of hate thinking gee you know i wonder what kind of story bag has cooked up for us this time it was always like i wonder what kinds of wacky shit buddy and lisa are going to get into this time you know it, it it's not marvel comics where you got this perpetually 30 year old peter parker 
Buddy Bradley has aged significantly since the title's inception. I mean, we've seen him go from self-indulgent young punk to this weird quasi-businessman to husband, and then now he's a father. You know, Lisa and, and Buddy are married, and they have a, they have they have a, they have a, a a boy. You know, so it's it's one of those titles where you can't. I don't. I think you to, to jump into hate annual number nine, mm-hmm. and you know, expecting to get Pete Bag is is kind of. I mean, it's a losing proposition because you you haven't experienced Buddy. Buddy's Buddy is Pete Bag. I mean, it's just like kind of like Cerebus and and Dave Sim. The 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 character is so tied with the creator, and and it, it's kind of hard to just look at this balding you know, eye-patched Popeye the Sailor-looking version of, of Buddy and ex- expect to get it because that's nowhere near the way Buddy has 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 started. Uh, he was... He was a punk. I mean, he was very self-indulgent and interested in music, and he liked to drink and laze around and do nothing, and his parents would bitch at him all day. And f- to go from that to this, like, almost responsible businessman slash husband that's it's a long journey and lisa was freaking insane for a lot of years i mean she was just playing crazy and when you look at this lisa she's she's the matriarch she's the mother she's actually in this issue um just i'll just it quick lisa gets a phone call that her father her father has <laughs> al shut up her father has like alzheimer's or dementia and he's, well, he's not one panel one no he's not doing too good so buddy lisa and 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 the kid go to the 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 in-laws house buddy's never met them before um i don't think and um right and and then we find out that lisa's father or mother has has cancer it's not a feel good story but like you know there's subplots involving this this guy that lives in a van on the parents um lot and the mother took him in because she felt bad for him and the guy's on a, a statutory rape he's on pro- probation uh, there's a something involving this young girl and this older guy it's just all to flesh out the the characters that live in this area but lisa would never consider staying back with her parents to help them through this this tough time that's that wasn't lisa way back when lisa was all about the woohoo the partying and the getting stoned and drunk and and just everything for lisa but this is a different person she's aged she's grown that's that's the current status of of pete bags hate if you got issue number like within the first 12 issues it would look nothing like this that you would be like who are these characters this is not the character i read in the hate annual totally different it's it's like a journey, I guess, and it's kind of a detriment to the title because it's great stuff, but you gotta, you have to really experience it all. And who's willing to do that today? You know, anybody there? I'm here. All right, is Chris still here? Because I think we lost Jason. We did lose Jason. Is Jason gone? Yeah, I'll get, go get him. I'll get him. But visually, hate has changed too. Uh, bag was sounds very like, mo- sounds like loving rockets. Hey, yeah, it is. You're right. Has, it is. I mean, it's but I mean, is is his style still the same? Yes and no. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he still draws the same, but uh, the first couple years, well, I wouldn't say that. The first, like the first decade of Pete Bag's work, he was very designy. Uh, yeah. When he when he, when he drew someone screaming, he would take up the whole panel, yeah. and it was really well designed. Now it's just it's more about 
let's get these characters where they want to be. I mean, oh. the first the first panel in this book is just the characters, uh, Buddy, Lisa, and and the child in the kitchen, and it's there's it's it's just a matter of fact panel. Whereas in the old stories, he would really design the fuck out of the you know the 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 panels, and it's it's the same but different. I mean, the the, the focus has changed. It's it's not about um, wowing people with the art. It's just letting these characters tell their own stories. Okay, I think. I, I, that's my perception of it. I gotta get the boy back. Where did he go? I just pinged him to see if he's there. Cause I do see, excuse me, I he, see him on the list, but uh, did he bend over it, for you? I see him on the right. Oh no, no one like you, dude. Uh, he's not coming back. I can't connect Wait, with him. He's typing. Yeah, I'm here. I guess he's here, but he's not connecting. Oh, there you are, buddy. Hang on. Yay, Jason's back. I'm sorry, yeah, but Jason, I was just—I I just finished it up with it's the journey. It, you got to experience the bulk of it, and it's not easy to do. Cause sure, I, th there is uh, hate collections, but I don't think he's ever published a, a like a a, a huge honk and omnibus mm -hmm. style. How long has it been since eight eight came out? A year. Oh, okay. the, the oh, annual, so yeah. I mean, he used to do it. It was never on a monthly or bi-monthly schedule. He would just get it out whenever he felt like it. Right, okay. And I forget how many issues of The Hate regular it was, maybe 30, 35 maybe I want to say. I don't know. Uh, and then he just started doing these these annual things. And it, Originally, the annuals were a potpourri of stuff. You'd get mm -hmm. a Buddy Bradley and Lisa story. You'd get something on music. You'd get the strips he was doing for the whatever magazine he's working for like the bat boy stuff and he was doing all like uh historical pieces so you get like a everything pete bag would is interested in would be in the in the hate annuals and now it's it's pared down to just buddy and lee it's hate again just the the like the the, the genesis of the original magazine was just buddy bradley and now and that the, that seems what it's gone back to now why do you know why it's called hate cool name I don't know, it was because there was a, Buddy was very angsty, very angry in the beginning. I don't know, okay. maybe that's why he called it hate. I always just, you know, hate. It's hate. Cause, cause it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bag is not particularly. Uh, there's not a lot of venom. I mean, he doesn't lash out at people he doesn't understand. Well, there's not a lot of hate. Yeah. Right. If it used no, to be that way, because I, I mean, this was. Well, certainly the uh, the wife was fairly angry at her mom and all that stuff, and I didn't feel like it was overly. You know, it didn't feel like a platform for him to vent about the wrong. No, of the it's, world. it's no, nah, it's never been like that. It's just the 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 adventures and foibles and shortcomings and su some successes of Buddy Bradley. It should be called Buddy Bradley because that's that's always been the focus of Hayden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love. So would him. you say this was sort of dead center for what you've come to expect and love of of Bag, or yeah. slightly better, slightly worse, just average? I mean, what? no, it's it's Bag, so it's. I, it's kind of hard to have a critical assessment of of Pete Bag. He's he's always been there, and he, Buddy's always been there. I love the character. I love the creator. It's I I can't look at it with a discerning eye. It is what it is, and I love it for mm -hmm. just for being what it is. But if you if you ask me to critique Pete Bag, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd be able to do it. It's like okay. critiquing uh, Jaime Hernandez or or, or um, Gilbert. How do you pull apart their work? It's it's become a part of me over these years, and I just can't. I can't. I can't do it. It's stupid. I know. It's, it's it's ridiculous to think that I can't look at somebody's artwork and say, "Yeah, that's kind of I don't like that." But I don't. I don't 
there's no like or dislike when I when I read uh, a Pete Bag work. It is. It's just right. It's, right. it's Pete Bag. So I, I accept it for what it is, and I I always enjoy it, whatever the case. I mean, some of the stories, man, you know, pretty downbeat. But uh, I mean, there's been deaths in it over the years, and and there's but there's a lot of light moments too. So yeah, it's great if you if you can get them cheap. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy because the first couple issues they're not expensive, but you don't find them, you know, just right. laying around. Yeah, so cool. Well, there I you tried go. it. You know, like I said, I it was it was at least I have a little bit of perspective on back now that I didn't have before. So. Yeah, I was surprised you did try it because uh, knowing you, it's not something to which you'd gravitate normally. Yeah, it definitely falls into that like slice of life, but with characters yeah. I don't generally think I would like in real life so it's hard for me to yeah. I generally seem to not like comics that are on the, based around that kind of thing generally yeah Buddy's the prototypical slacker yeah see there you yeah. go I don't, yeah. I don't like the slacker comics <laughs> <laughs> that's okay it's alright man mm. let's see what time we got here oh we're working on an hour and a half we still got a huge amount of time to talk about comics entirely too quiet. I, I, I haven't heard David at all I know I know. sucks right Outraged to be right in the streets. I've um, read all the stuff we talked about so far. You figured <laughs> that, right? I'm glad you're not a gambling man. One thing I wanted to talk about since you said you read a whole lot of shit, maybe we'll save that for next week because I read that this morning. That was uh, Who Is Jake Ellis number three? Oh. Oh. Did you Flip through that? that. Looks good. I have not read that yet. Okay, all right, so we'll save that for next week. Um, I did. If you read, if you read Bulletproof Coffin, I will get all caught up on who is Jake Ellis. <laughs> I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read Bulletproof. It's right in. That's what you said last. That's what you said last week. No, I said. I can't believe you. The, tr- the trust is the trust I is broken, said, David. Whole trust is broken. I'll get we, it Monday. We need a good I'm hour and a half yeah. to go through Bulletproof Coffin. No, we really don't. Right. Yeah, we do. No, we really don't. I do. We need to do like a special two-hour episode just Lord about the... Bulletproof Coffee. I still have the second, Honest to God. Have the second celestial edition of Codland to read, so I, I think that oh, is... Oh, we we need maybe 10, 15 minutes tops. Stop. <laughs> You're wow. so wrong. You're so wrong. All right, first, Look, I... it is what it is, but it's not fucking Dostoevsky, okay? It's, it's, I mean, it's pretty, wow. it's pretty upfront as to what it's about. It's not exactly hard to decipher. <laughs> They're not I thought layers. it was up. They're not a lot of layers to peel back. Awesome. It's, yeah, it is. It's an, it's an onion. It's like an ogre. No, it's, it's an onion. Not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a blooming onion. There's no creepy outside. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's, it's the inside. I think oh, it the, is. The, the, the meta text in it. That's what I'm saying. Text. Oh, okay. It's all meta. Yeah. It's all meta. Scathing. Uh, it's a scathing, a scathing indictment of the comics industry. Love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? It's more Partly. a statement of the comic book fan, frankly, but we'll get into that next week. There's that, too. Yeah. yeah. David, okay. ahead, David, enlighten him. So let's I, hear uh, I, I read the first issue of uh, Blue Estate. <gasps> okay, Me? I read that. Oh, nice. This is, uh, this is pretty interesting. It's got, it's got Jason's boy, Nathan Fox. I'm sorry, Chris's boy, Nathan Fox. And, yep. And, and, um, and uh, it, it's, it was... I, I didn't know what the hell to expect. I, I bought it in mine. I, I, I saw it in previews, and I said, you know what the hell with it? I'll just... I'll... Beautiful cover, right? It, it really is a slam yeah, yeah. cover. Uh, the Rachel situation is, is, of course, the first book of the first arc. I, I I know nothing about this. I wanted to hit the website before we we got together tonight. I, 
didn't have a chance to. Uh, BlueEstateComic.com. I don't know. It's pretty if cool. This is a. Uh, I'm I'm guessing it's an ongoing. I, I I don't know. I don't know if 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 there's a. No, I think it's a five issue. Is, is it? Oh, okay. I think it is. I just uh, got the second issue today. Um, there's oh, okay. no, there's no mention of, uh, right. Even on the cover. Yeah. It doesn't say anything. Yeah. It just uh, says episode two. And then on the back it says, yeah, that next issue. Was yeah. Two I'm thinking eight. it's five issues. Okay. It's, um, it, it starts off with, uh, with, with, with the intro to the law and order shows. And, uh, so that kind of hooked me right away. The art, I think the art is, is, fits i um it, there's some things where i look a little maybe messy but i'll i'll definitely i think it's intentional i don't you, you can kind of tell where some of it there's four artists listed as uh it's it's um the script is by andrew osborne artists are victor kalachev i'm sorry kalvachev toby cypress nathan fox and uh and robert valley so um there are a few people involved in making this. You can kind of tell where where you see uh, Ethan Fox pop in, uh, but yeah. I, yeah, you know a little bit. But it's <laughs> it you know the characters. They're really. I haven't met any characters in the book yet in this first issue that uh, that are that are in here. You're not rooting for anybody yet in this first issue, right? Right. Yeah. And and not and no, not definitely not even Steven Seagal, which is a shame because you know it, it, it's Steven Seagal. But it's um, <laughs> I definitely enjoyed a little bit of backstory there with that and 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 the the, the movie series and uh, it, it was I think it kind of it might have benefited if it was if there were more if it was maybe a double sized issue. I I, I kind of I didn't feel gypped or cheated when I got to the end of the first issue, but I kind of just it 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 felt like. Maybe I could have used a, a few more pages just to just to maybe get more of a feel for it. It, it definitely didn't. It kind of did feel like it just it ended when we got to the end of the first issue. Yeah. It moves at a good clip. It really does, and yeah. and they're throwing so many people at you, and 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 you kind of you kind of definitely know who all the players are. I really dug the uh, first few pages where she um, where Rachel walks in on uh, on Roy Devine Jr. and and we cut to 36 hours earlier but then we cut to 10 years ago 12 years ago when they were making the movies and, and I, I kind of liked the way they were playing with the timeline a little bit and it, and it really did did work it worked in this comic book I could actually see this in, in as a as a live action story it, it really would work as far as that that goes especially the way the uh the captions read, and, and if someone were to narrate this, I really, like I said, I didn't know what to expect, and, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. I know a couple people on the forum really weren't so high on the first issue. I didn't find anything really, I didn't find anything to complain about other than that I, I could have used a little bit more story at, wow. at the end of the first issue. See, that's surprising to me. I'm uh, shocked no, that you enjoyed the first issue, Ben. Yeah, that's what I'm, oh, me? Yeah. See, I'm surprised that David did because knowing our beloved so well, he has this knack for consistency. And let's be honest, there's a huge 
stylistic difference between Nathan Fox and oh, Toby yes. Cypress. Oh, yeah. And, and it's not, I mean, there. it's not like Chapter 1, Nathan right. Fox, Chapter 2, Toby yeah, Cypress. Yeah, no, it's like the, here's the, the panel the, of Nathan it, Fox, true. No, really. It's like, okay, here it is. This is done, and now we're getting another artist right here. And, uh, you know, Toby Cypress drew uh, Killing Girl and, and a couple other things, and he's... Uh, I, I like his stuff a lot, but he's worlds away from a Nathan Fox. Their approaches yeah, sure. are just totally different. See, I, and I, I thought you wouldn't like this because you say constantly that you don't like noir and pulp and detective stories. And this is, like, that's what this is. This is. Yeah, a, I know, but I like good art. <laughs> and and you know, I just, I'll, I just be, yeah, I'll be honest with the, you. Yeah. I saw Nathan Fox and I said, okay, ordered. Now, whereas I would have thought this is right up Chris's alley. I think the bed is up Chris's alley right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, was, I was talking. I was muted. Oh, did you no, read this, Chris? I assume not. No, I have not. I have not yet. Okay, I just You'll I like it. The four of us. I would have thought this is most up your alley, frankly. Yeah. Cool. You're right. I will have to check it out. But I agree with you, David. I actually, I'm, I'm of your your mind, not Vince's, David, in that I thought that the um the the, the first issue, you know, w- was good. Like I didn't, I didn't. Get done reading it, thinking, "Ugh, you know, I'm not going to." Yeah, right. but I didn't. I don't know, and I didn't get a sense enough as to where this is going to. I'm not yet convinced this is going to have a pleasing conclusion. Right. But I'm also not. <laughs> I'm not necessarily worried that it won't, though. I, I, I'm sort of somewhat undecided as to whether or not this is the start of something I'm going to really enjoy, or it, it has definitely a factor it could peter out too. I, I think so. Mm. Um. I don't at all care for the, um, and you're probably not supposed to. I, I don't at all care for Devon Jr. I, I, right? I think, yeah, yeah. And I don't think he's supposed to be a very sympathetic character. Uh, no. But, uh, um, but I do like the Steven Seagal homage. <laughs> I, I, do, I yeah. agree. I do like the Law and Order intro. Definitely like the art aesthetic. I, I, I in this case, I think the juxtaposition of styles works pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I. Uh, I, I will say I, I, that the the cover will definitely be in the running for me when we do the eleven o'clock Oscars. Right, it, it's a oh, stunning, yeah, stunning yeah. cover. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. You know, this is kind of trite and it's almost expected, but it feels like a Tarantino movie, an er, uh, a mid career Tarantino movie. You know, that's fair. Although I would say, see, <laughs> it, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think unfortunately that's a tough spot because. I think sometimes when you when you see something and you feel like it's an an homage or harkens to something, there's a fine line between uh, like a, a, a bad copy or a bad facsimile and, right. and an homage. If you know what I mean, uh, you know what I mean. Inspir- like, inspiration and appropriation. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. Well said. Yeah. Um, see, it didn't feel like a Tarantino movie to me because people actually know when to shut the fuck up. Snap it! Snap. There goes uh, Dap. Go down that road. I I love you too much to hear that you don't like Tarantino. I can't. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't say I don't, I don't. I never said I don't like Tarantino. We won't go there tonight. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Well, let's save that for one one person next time. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fair All right. Enough. So, um, David, do you have anything else to say about this? Because um, I want to. No, like 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 Jason said, it's it's you know when we get if, if you're right, it's a it, it five issue series. If, if we get to the end of this and. I'm not rooting for anybody yet. Nobody is. If if someone meets their their untimely demise, it's going to be like, well, that was kind of the path you were going to. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not. I'm enjoying the story more than I'm enjoying the characters. Yeah, and you know what? I 
this is totally unfair what I'm about to say, and so I already expect the f- the forum to light up and be like, that's ridiculous, but I, I felt reading this a little bit like com- it was com- I was comparing it to Criminal. And oh, I know okay. it's going to be totally unfair when all is said and done, but but I, I'm reading it and I'm thinking like, so far that first issue was okay, but nothing about it was as good as Criminal. To me, like Criminal's was much the first issue of any criminal arc is tighter written. I'm right. more, characters are not sympathetic, but I'm interested in them much yeah. more than interested in any individual character in, in this book. Right. The artwork, yeah, obviously, Sean Phillips and Val. I mean, the artwork just stunning. So I kind of felt like, is this guy trying to do a criminal? Is he trying to do something else? And we'll see. If he's trying to do a criminal, I have a feeling by the end of it, I'm not going to like it because I don't think it's going to okay. look at that scrutiny if he's trying to do something else and there's some twists maybe a little bit of humor thrown in some angle we're not really it's not been conveyed yet then then okay then i i'm i could see it maybe being something i come away enjoying so we'll see yeah not to quantify my love for artists but i place um nathan fox on the same level as sean phillips well i don't disagree with that but i'm but this isn't a Nathan Fox book, right. right? He just he just participates. There are other other cooks in the in the kitchen. So yeah, I mean, I liked it. You're right. It it, it was a um a leap for me, not liking the noir and the and the crime shit. But uh, I enjoyed it. I, I but then again, you could say that that may be a byproduct of me not having all that much invested in it. I didn't care if it was good or bad going in. It wasn't like picking up Planet of the Apes number one, where I'm like, "Come on, knock it out of the park." I just I went into it thinking, "Hey, this is very attractive cover." Uh, Nathan Fox is is a participant. I'm going to pick this up, and I was I was I was entertained, and I and I enjoyed what I saw. So yeah, not a lot vested for me. Yay. Uh, now, uh, spiraling out of um, Blue Estate, did any of you read uh, another one of the color-themed image books that recently came out? Green Wake. Mm-hmm. Green Wake. Did you read that? Yes, I did. I did not. Chris, did you read it? Yeah. I um, uh, <sighs> I like, you know, I, I, I really like um, Riley Rosmo's art. Um, Hell yeah! You know, going back to everything that we've talked about on uh, on proof and everything that he does, I really enjoy. Uh, th- this is this is one that is going to take a couple issues for me to decide, which is not mm. a bad thing, right? But um, let, let me yeah, pitch it. I, let me give them the synopsis. Can okay. you do a synopsis? And because it's, I think that's yeah. one of the things I disliked about the book is that it's sure. Uh, a man named Carl wakes up in this mysterious town of Green Wake. Uh, I was of, un, under the assumption that the the town was more of a state of mind than a physical city. Agreed. Yeah, because it's it's uh, host like to a, a population. Or some kind yeah, of like yeah, it's host to a population of shut-ins. It's very dreary. It's always raining, and, and the citizens, uh, a good number of them, bear striking resemblances to frogs. They have these these wide set eyes and the mottled slick skin and and thick lips, you know, rimming these these impossibly wide mouths. And and Carl right, can't rep- razzle. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and this Carl guy can't recall how he landed in this this unsettling locale, but he does remember what he was doing before he got there. He was drinking himself into a stupor, trying to forget this woman named Ariel, and um. 
this woman also plays into a murder investigation involving uh, these men named Morley and Krieger. One of them is of the uh, the frog type that I described, this Krieger guy. He looks like a frog. And uh, they're searching for clues in the murder of one Mr. Hawthorne. Cause of death, blood loss, after having his lips forcibly removed from his face. It's pretty cool. Um, and the deceased, it is, the deceased also had in his possession a locket containing a picture of uh, someone, we don't know for sure who, and Ariel. And, and the other someone had their face obliterated by scratches. And it's, it's as if, you know, there's some romantic... Um, uh, cataclysm going on but uh, like early in the narrative we're shown the end result of a car crash involving morley and a woman named anna who had died as a result of her injuries and he's cradling her 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 body and he's blaming himself for the accident and and their the couple is pelted by rain and frogs so that that was the scene that made me think wait a minute um, I mean, after I've experienced, because that, that's the first scene in the book. After I, I read the entire book and you get the whole frog motif and then you go back and realize that there's frogs surrounding this car crash, th this green wake is like this cognitive space. This, it seems like, uh, like a mindscape kind of that, uh, these characters purgatory. are working out. Yeah. I don't know if it's purgatory. That would be stupid like lost and um <laughs> so um and yeah meanwhile back in green rake green wake this aerial person has found babylon there's there's always mention of babylon like we're you know searching for babylon and babylon what we know so far is uh a hashish parlor so we don't know if babylon is the actual parlor is it the drug is it what does it mean? We don't know, but um, you, you know, got to read it to find out. Uh, I thought it was great. Really? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Hey, more. Uh, I think. I think it's got it's got possibilities. Oh, it's got huge possibilities. But uh, again, uh, the story was fun. It was. It made me think. I don't know but if I call it the, fun. Well, the draw for me obviously is Riley Rosmo. The, yeah, the art sure. was the art was very good. I mean, it, it, in keeping with proof and Cowboy Ninja Viking, it's it's really sharp stuff. Uh, very immediate, very of the moment. He throws it down like a master. I love his stuff. But the story, uh, Curtis Weeb, the guy that writes Intrepids, also wrote this. And um, oh, I didn't put the I didn't put the connection together actually. Yeah, yeah, and okay. no, it's it, it's I like the 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 being disconcerted being spun around and trying to find my way in this strange land i i like not knowing what the hell's going on i'm i'm hoping that we are shown by the end of the uh last issue but i mean yeah it's cool um it's very claustrophobic very cool uh good work you for can't it, yeah you can't go by you know i can't say oh it's a winner based on the first issue because we don't have all the pieces we, we i don't, think I, people that like fell will like this mm -hmm. it has it has a similar feel to snowtown yeah it does have a little right. bit of that feel but but snowtown was was reality and this is this well, is not yeah, how how much reality was snowtown well um it, it, I, I know i know what you're, i know say. what you're saying is that th this is really more this is yeah, the, yeah well this is like this is um like fell meets um 
what was the Robin Williams movie, What Dreams May Come, kind of thing? Oh, Jesus, yeah. Garp. Yeah. Garp. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he said Garp. I, I said Garp. I the with Beth, actually. Oh. Wow. wow. <laughs> Jason, uh, would you go? Would you go to hell for me? Um, it, I, I would say I'll say yes because I don't believe hell exists for sure. <laughs> so it's like a no-brainer. But, uh, uh, visually, it's stunning. Let, we got to be honest. There's there's you know, a page it's, in. I, I it's funny. I you got I I bought this because of Riley Rossmo, but I I I did not like the the monotone thing in this book. Didn't work for me. I didn't. It didn't work for me. Mm. Like I think I, I don't disagree at all with what you're saying about Rosmo's skills as an illustrator. I, but I just uh, I, I think he conveyed what was supposed to be conveyed in the story, which is this ethereal sort of. I think you said it right, claustrophobic. You're not even sure if the building they're about to walk into. For all you know, that's the only thing that exists at that moment because it could be in his mind or it could be you don't know. And I think that's all conveyed. But I I, I just didn't uh, uh, I I didn't. I just didn't care for it relative to to uh I didn't come away thinking whereas I I really loved what he did in Cowboy Angel Viking in particular and Proof was great. I didn't come away thinking like wow, he really is pushing boundaries here. I thought he was wow. almost limiting himself but but intentionally so. I I'm I'm betting because of the story, but 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 it didn't quite wow me in the way his other stuff has. In this case, in the first couple pages, Rosmo. I want to make sure that he did the coloring. Yeah, he did all the art. Uh, the first couple pages, you get this sepia tone motif going through, and and the only other color is the green of the frogs. And then for the rest of the issue, every page has a green pallor. It's it's almost like the street hence lights the are green. Yeah, hence the name of the book. Uh, you may get a little bit of red in like the the color in someone's nose. Uh, this Carl guy, his nose is, is like has a pinkish reddish tint to it, and then you'll get maybe a flash of blood uh, on one of the victims, a bright bright red. Uh, but then there's one page when you see this aerial chick and uh, the uh, I don't want to call him a detective because I don't think he's officially a detective, but this this Morley guy seems to have a history with this aerial. He's kind of the the volunteer sheriff. Of yeah, yeah. Ariel has a a real taste for ripping people's lips off, and uh, you see a guy in a tux, and she's biting his lips off, and the there's crimson and purple mixed with the green. Now, if you know your 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 color theory, purple and green they love each other, and this 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 page is really sharp. That's Lex Luthor, but, or the Green Goblin. Oh. But I mean, yeah, in the Hulk. But it's it's the only one of the very very. Very few flashes of color in in the book, and it's really effective because it's just saying, "Hey, pay attention to this page because it's really important." Uh, there there seems to be some some sexual history with uh, Ariel and Morley, and she may have been incarcerated at one time. It looks like either a a padded cell or a shower on the lower part of the page, and it's just it's it's we don't know. We're not. It's just unfolding. We don't know where the story's going. I don't know. I I I uh, I guess I liked it more than than you guys, but I thought it was a, a neat start. And it's no, an I image think it's book. Got, I think it's got possibilities. Yeah, it's an image book, so they don't really have to do a lot to convince me. You know, they they seem okay. to image usually bats a thousand with me. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a tough call. So what I'm trying to say is, anybody listening, when I talk about an image book, take what I say with a grain of salt <laughs> because I just love image. 
Yeah, self-deprecating yeah, no, I, humor. You know, works. Image has been putting out a boatload of new number ones. Um, I, I there was one I came out today called them, Red Red Something. That? Red Something came out today. Another number well, that's one. That's the Hickman book. Yeah, with um, yeah, David's David's boy did the cover. Who? The the guy David waited forever to get uh, a signature <laughs> from. Uh, um, yeah, text is doing the covers. <laughs> well, listen. Before we go, I got to say something. What's that? I want to tell you a story about a friend I had. He's a mean motherfucker and he's super bad. Oh. He's the kind of brother that rules a town. Even the coroner follows him around. His afro's so bad it won't ever relax. When he go to the barber, they part his hair with an axe. He'll be hauling you out with the rest of the trash if your mouth write a check that your ass can't cash. <laughs> You're a natural. You are. That's right. And uh, uh, no, I'm talking about uh, uh, in keeping with the all racist uh, uh, episode. Uh, I'm talking about uh, racism, not racist episode. <laughs> well, you know, either one. Big take your pick. Uh, by Ars Nova and Ape Entertainment, the greatest black hero of uh, them all, Black Dynamite number one. Um, you guys uh, know I'm a, a humongous fan of the movie. In fact, I just watched it again last week. Nice. Uh, uh, it's awesome, awesome stuff. Michael Jai White, Byron Min, Scott Sanders. Um, and so when they announced this comic, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be off the chain. Uh, a comic book adaptation. Well, not an adaptation, but a follow-up of, uh, of, right. of Black Dynamite. And uh, t- to me, any anything with Black Dynamite had to be good. Um, so mixed thoughts, um, to be honest Ooh. with you. Uh, now, I had huge expectations for it, so I'm probably was unfair to it. But uh, first, production value, um, it's it's perfect bound. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it's a relatively sh- – it's not a huge comic, so I don't I don't know if it needed to be perfect bound, but uh, but it is. Um, I see. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, I want to be able to put it on bookshelves. The, the, the book, no matter what you think of the story, the book deserves mad props because the pencils and inks done by – uh, Vince, do you remember who did it? Oh, not it, offhand. What, what's one of your you you brought it? You brought up the subgroup of of comic book artists earlier. It's one of your favorite subgroups. Oh, right, right. It's very much in the Filipino. Um, well, it's not arena. just in the Filipino vibe. It's it's actually done by seventy three year old June Lofamia. Really, he's seventy three. That, that, that was one of the things I'm not going to interrupt you, but I'm just going to add a little thing based on this art. Exactly. But Lofamia is actually one of the Filipinos that, that was part of the Filipino invasion. Um, if you don't know his work, you can do a Google search. He's, he's done a little bit of everything over the years. But um, no, I don't know that he's done too much recently, but certainly it's a name you should know. Um, so it was awesome to see him do this. And i got to say, at 73, the dude still got crazy good chops. I mean, the book looks great. Um, it's perfect choice to... For, for it because again with his his style and his coloring it it really fits kind of gives that 70s vibe which is I think obviously what they were going for since that's when the, the story takes place um, the character of Black Dynamite's terrific uh, in this story he goes to the aforementioned Slave Island which is an island about 17 miles off the coast uh, that uh, effectively is a uh, resort for racists it's a resort island where you still have uh, slaves and uh, one of the one of the slaves escapes and washes up on the shore, and uh, Black Dynamite sees him and agrees that it's time to uh, to go to the island and uh, 
burn this motherfucker down. So Black Dynamite goes. He actually runs into Dr. Alex Haley, who introduced him to this guy uh, who was a uh, slave there, and he uh, Black Dynamite heads to the island. Uh, and the way I'll characterize this is, by all accounts, I've read it twice, it's a lot of the same stuff that I loved about the movie, but it feels a little bit flat in this medium, and I think it's just a case of the medium. It doesn't translate as well. Like the 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 thing that I loved about the movie was that it was it was film. What made it fun was that it was filmed deadpan. You know, all the shtick was done completely deadpan, and that's what intentionally, and that's what was funny. You know, the 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 boom mic falling into the screen was intentional. The the you know, extra getting punched in the face and then cutting to the scene and it's a different guy playing the same character was intentional. Um, Black Dynamite overacting was intentional. Uh, in the comic, some of that dynamic timing is lost, right? So if you're familiar with the movie and you read this, there are moments where I could picture it being cut into the movie and thinking, oh, that, that's good. But there are other parts where it just kind of, it didn't f- quite feel authentic. And, and, and yet, it's hard to say it wasn't authentic because this was a story that was written by Michael Jai White and and Byron Minns and Scott Sanders who who wrote the screenplay for the movie. So it's it's not fair to say like they just handed off the property to someone else who didn't get it. I mean they, you know, this is a follow up. But um, but you know, it it at the end of the day there was stuff that was wildly entertaining. I mean, he he fights a, a great white shark and 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 beats his ass in the water, <laughs> which is great. Um, he he at one point is is captured and be and turned into a slave as he's trying to infiltrate and they auction him off to the highest bidder and this of course white woman buys him and then he bangs the shit out of her for uh i think 67 hours straight and uh damn yeah uh so you know and, and he, he bangs her out which is great and, and says something effective like uh you know once you once you go black dynamite you'll never go just plain black <laughs> you know which is, like, which is funny um uh <laughs> You know, and there are there are little bits of that which are great, but but the rest of it I think just didn't have that 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 he didn't have that uh, that layer of satire that I think made the the movie so brilliant. Um, so you know, I, I guess in terms of that, I have to say it's more like a a, a B minus type of, of of read. But what I think saves it is the the, the few moments. That are supposed to save it, but also the other thing is, is much like um, Aphrodisiac did, um, although uh, you know a, a little bit more more direct. They they have a lot of uh, ads in here that you'd find in like a '70s comic, and the ads are all uh, in the vein of 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 a world where where um, Ferrante Jones, who is for those that don't know about the movie, it's a parody of black exploitation, and it's Ferrante Michael J. White is playing Ferrante Jones playing Black Dynamite. Fronte Jones is a 70s action movie star who was a uh, an all an all pro NFL running back turned to a uh, a black exploitation actor. So, you know, there's an ad for Fronte Jones, you know, to it's like a, it's a play on that uh, you know, the famous ad where you'd you'd have the the geek getting kicked sand kicked in his face uh, on the beach. Uh, Charles Atlas. Yeah, it's the Charles Atlas ad yeah, only now Fronte Jones and he's selling you a badass revolver. And so <laughs> when the kid gets sand kicked in his face, he pulls the revolver and shoots through the face. Oh, that's <laughs> gold. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, there and there are other ads that are that are uh, parody ads, which are terrific. Um, you know, there's like uh, 
there's the soundtracks to Black Dynamite, and uh, it's like it's endorsed by All Star Running Back Fronte Jones, you know, saying these are the two of the baddest records I've ever heard, uh, you know. So it's like stuff who's, like that makes it terrific. I mean, who's it, on the soundtrack? That uh, doesn't say. Ah, doesn't say. Um, but uh, but so all in all, the art it's great seeing Lofamia. He he looked beautiful. Um, I had listened to a podcast about Black Dynamite um, on the Nerdist. Chris Hardwick's the Nerdist, and they had the comic book creators up on there too. And uh, and I was pissed because Hardwick was talking about how they had at this uh, panel that he was hosting, they had Lofamia's original pages, and he bought two of them. He bought the one where Black Dynamite's uh, getting ready to get busy with the with the uh, white plantation owner, and he. And he bought the one where, where Black Dynamite's fighting the Great White Shark. So I was pissed because I was like, oh, those are, I would love to own one of those pages. But it's ah. a little jealous of his heart. Then. But, uh, but, you know, all in all, fun. If you like the movie and you're a comic book fan, I definitely think you'll get enough out of this that it's enjoyable. Um, but, but don't expect it to. It certainly is a. You can, it would be unfair to try and compare this to Aphrodisiac. I mean, Aphrodisiac's like an A, and this is like a B minus in terms of a comic book. Mm. But, you know. I, I have it. I will say I think the art is stunning. And it the, is, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, did a, yeah. did a great job. Great job. I didn't read it yet. Uh, I should have, knowing that, that you would eventually talk about it. But uh, you know what? If they ever do another one and uh, the original uh, art team is not available, you know who would do a, a great Black Dynamite? You mentioned him before on the show. Benjamin Morrow would nail Black oh, Dynamite, yeah. like a gangster rap posse type Black yeah. Dynamite. That would be great. Good to see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing about this book that kind of bought, like it didn't have Bullhorn, it didn't have Cream Corn, you know, it didn't have like the it didn't have the characters that I love from the from the movie. So <laughs> you make me laugh anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! So yeah, this has been a cool episode because we got a bunch of themes trailing through this. We got racism, and we have like, like move, movie movie properties like Planet of the Apes and the friggin' Black Diamond. This is awesome. Licensing I, and racism, yep. like peanut butter and chocolate. Two great things, man. <laughs> we, <laughs> we really hope you enjoyed this episode, which was brought to you, yes, by DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service. Uh, in your travels, what am I going to do here? I have no idea. Oh, I got an idea. Here it comes. Popped right into my head. In your travels... Uh, it's not out yet, but uh, based on this person's track record, I don't think he's going to let us down. From Bongo Comics, they are um, set to publish a Sergio Arogan's Funnies book. Yes. Good yeah. Call. Uh, featuring all new comics and jokes by the world's maddest, get it, cartoonist. Uh, first issue of the monthly series goes on sale in July, so keep an eye out for this. Sergio Arogan's Funnies. Get it. Talk about yes. a master, dude. Yeah. Word. And he said I'm it's going to be monthly. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yep. Nice. Uh, in your travels, travel this weekend to not just your local comic shop, but multiple comic shops in your area if it's available to you for free comic book day. And That's remember right. that it's a perfect time. You know, when... The, the the comics that are that are there this weekend uh, look for something different you know don't don't grab the free comic book day comic for something that you already know uh, yeah. about grab grab something grab something new and also 
because a lot of folks go into free comic book day and think that they can grab a a copy of every single free comic book day comic out there um before you before you get your free comics on free comic book day make sure you know what that store's policy is for how many of the free comics um they allow each person to very, take because very, those very comics good. yeah because those comics are are not free to comic right, shops exactly. they actually have to right. buy those comics so and, and uh, um, why don't you bat the ball back to the uh shop owner too and in the spirit of free comic book day which uh, which us- yeah which usually entails trying something that you don't don't normally buy keep that theme running and pick up a book off the racks and actually buy yeah, it exactly. Some, something that you don't normally buy try something and uh keep your eye out for uh, Archie Comics Sonic the Hedgehog I'm always pressing about this book it is so good and they're about to launch into the aptly titled Genesis storyline which nice. I think I think it's a reboot uh they they're going in they're stripping away um you know everything that's come before Sonic is on a hundred and geez, it's up there. It's I know it's past two hundred, I think. Yeah, and uh, so yes, but try Sonic the Hedgehog. But buy something. There's, there's there's a lot of good. And yes, definitely. If you go and you and you get free comics, buy some comics at the shop. Don't don't be that fucking asshole. Don't be a Steve uh, Bryant. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't be don't be that, that guy. He knows and, I and love him. I'm just busting and, his balls. You're busting Steve's balls. Yeah. Um, uh, locally here in Chicago, just so uh, folks know, uh, Challengers, uh, we're going to have the awesome Mike Norton and the also awesome uh, Christopher Mitten. Uh, Ooh, if nice you Wasteland read Waste- yeah, yeah, if you read uh, Wasteland, uh, they're going to be at Challengers. And then over at Dark Tower uh, is going to have our buddies uh, Chris Burnham and uh, Hilary Barda. I know him. Yay. I know him. Yep. Uh, locally at the Comics on the Green, we have um, Tom Derenick, who uh, Countdown uh, where does a lot of work for DC, cool. and uh, Scott Beatty is going to be uh, at the ah. lo- local shop. Yeah. yeah, and that's another thing. Like Chris said, if you see artists uh, doing their applying their trade at the Free Comic Book Day, go up to them, buy a sketch if you like them, uh, throw some money at the artist too, because that's what it's all about. Let's just throw it. Just, just yeah, I'm gonna, if they I'm have gonna a garter belt on, you can put it in with your teeth. There you go. Right. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see Mike get some work on my, on my Avengers page this. Uh, nice. This weekend. Locally, so, I'll be at a uh, church in Connecticut on, on Saturday. So. Oh, you said a church? Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go to a communion. Uh, I will be at a communion on Saturday as well. My see, ain't that some shit? My son's getting yeah his first communion. I uh, my niece. Um, speaking of free comic book day uh mike murphy who is a very talented creator on our forum uh he sent me a um a copy of a a pdf well actually the pdf is of a comic that's coming out in june that i definitely will recommend but um ashcan number one is available right now at uh, mydigitalconics.com for uh, for fifty cents, but I, I do believe it is um, fifty cent. Fifty cent. It'll be off for. Uh, I know it's 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 um, in the note he sent me. It's their free comic book day launching anthology. Um, so four different stories in in that anthology. The one I do want 
Darkman is, is coming out in June, and that is called Meanwhile, and that has that, that has a little bit of a Astro City and um, and Hero Alliance type feel to it. Uh, oh, did you see Hero Alliance is coming back? I did not yet. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, um, written by Mike, art by by Ray Johnson. It's uh, it's called Meanwhile. Basically, the, the gist of it uh, for book one. Royal Vine. Uh, the city of Royal Vine was founded several decades ago. Royal Vine is built around a biomechanical ship. The biomechanical ship belongs to Cell, the last survivor of a galactic war that left three races extinct, including his own. Uh, Cell spent years exploring the stars in search of a new home before finally discovering Earth. Over the years, Royal Vine grew into the grand metropolis. It is today Stellar's ship, the Goliath, still at its center. While paranormals exist, the world over, Royal sure. Vine has the highest concentration of paranormals in any major metropolitan city. Uh, so, it's first issue, ground floor, you get introduced to, to a few funky characters. Uh, some things are a little bit more commercial than others. There are um, super-powered mascots for like um, uh, the, the Starbucks um, and analogy. There's a uh, there's, there's the, the Superman type character that that I guess would be stellar. There's a um, there, there's a Native American superhero who uh, it's there's just there's a whole bunch of, of heroes in this book or paranormals in in this book and and it's uh, I'm really interested in, in in seeing what's going on. So it I, sounds I like cool. The first issue it really is 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 neat. Uh, and I think that is, I don't know if it'll, um, I'll put the link in, in the show notes when the episode yes, starts do that. up, but it, it's, 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 it's pretty funky. Nice. Last but not least. Well, first of all, may the fourth be with you. Oh. There you go. Oh. Uh, and, and into that, so in your travels, uh, a couple things, in, in your travels, before you read some comics, head on over to the forums at forum.bulletinsboltonspodcast.com. And our, uh, I am the guest judge for our, uh, for May for the, uh, for the uh, sketch yeah. up, you know, the art challenge. Yeah, and it, it's a Star Wars theme this month, so oh. uh, we've already got a boatload of great submissions, and uh, I encourage you to uh, to do in kind. Um, but uh, in terms of the the comic shti, um I uh, would commend you. At, we talked a few weeks ago about Marine Man, uh, a great. Uh, image all ages book that uh, Ian Churchill's kicking out. Um, this past week, another image all ages book came out that uh, is equally deserving of your attention, and that is uh, Mr. Robert Kirkman and Mr. Jason Howard's Super Dinosaur. Yes. Um, the uh, this is the same team that did the uh, uh, Astounding Wolfman. It's astounding, right? Yeah. Astound yeah. Um, it's not. Yeah, it's astounding, Wolfman. Um, they're back, and uh, and again, it's this is all ages fun. Um, Jason is not only doing the um, the uh, the line work, but he's doing the coloring this time out too, uh, digitally. Um, great first issue introduces you to the sort of sets the scene. Uh, it's basically a, uh, a a a super smart boy, his dad, um, a sentient gyro ball, and uh, last but not least, a uh, a reasonably intelligent T Rex that has an exoskeleton. Um, <laughs> And uh, and shenanigans and ensue. So um, an awesome yeah, this, villain. This is yeah. This isn't in depth stuff. This is just fun comics that uh, I would gladly hand to my five and 
and eight year olds to read, which is uh you know not not as easy these days as as you would think. So um, right. definitely do that. And then last but certainly not least, um, you know we often forget that there are a lot of ladies that listen to the show and uh to any of you uh great ladies who are uh happen to be mothers uh have an awesome mother's day this yeah. week oh look um, at you so yeah we uh that we, was nice. we forgot about you yeah, so, yeah. go, go ahead, pick up the uh the um the free orgy Orgen. issue oh. on uh free comic book day free orgy the origin issue. Oh, I think it said free origin. I was like, what is that? The Super Dinosaur. Super yes. Dinosaur um, uh, free comic book day issue. Yes, The sir. origin issue. I even think David would like Super Dinosaur. It's so good. Well, there you I go. agree. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's fun. Cybernetic dinosaurs. If you told me that and I was like 12 years old, I, I would probably be uh, forcibly pushed right into puberty. I would Tell be me so the excited. toys for this wouldn't be awesome, Vincent. I know. The villains are, are oh, really nice. Great. Yeah. My kids would be all over these toys. Yep. Yeah. I, there's only if they transformed in some way. That would be really cool, too. But you never know. We may see that. That'd be yep. cool. Yeah. Super dinosaur and everything else we talked about. Hey, thank you for being here this week. Uh, I know we put a lot on your plate, but it's a pretty full meal, and I think you'll you'll like it. We 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 chock full. This episode was chock full of shit. Beautiful. Pretty we did racist. good. After last week, I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought, chock full of racism. <laughs> I, I dropped the ball huge last week, and I'm sorry. Uh, so what? I think I did. I was shit last week. I think uh, we made we made we made up for it this week. Everybody was on point. Like yeah. So hey. I'm ruining it now. It started off so well. Uh, <laughs> stop talking. I like Frank Miller. Please just stop talking. Um, so next next week we'll be here, and we hope you will be too. See ya. Bye. Bye. God damn! I don't know when to shut up. Stop talking.